BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 20. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill and this is the Operator Podcast. Here we are, episode 51. Thank you for sticking with me. Over the hump, if you will, today we're going to be talking to Johnny Strong, who made the movie War Horse 1 that's incredible. you got to see it. It's out in theaters on Friday. It'll be on demand July 3rd, War Horse 1. Don't forget that. We're going to talk to him today. Excellent movie. Great tactics. Great uh, gear. Great everything. Great acting. Uh, mountains, rivers, all kinds of gunfights and whatnot. Great movie. Um, first, we got to talk about firearms. Speaking of firearms, I've mentioned um, Watchtower Firearms before. The Nisro 15 is out. It's a 5.56, designed by myself after the gun I brought into Osama bin Laden's house. And if I could have used Watchtower Firearms at the time, I would have had an EOTech on there. All 23 guys carried EOTech. But uh, Nisro 15 is available. Check out the other guns too. They got the new uh, BDRX 15, they're in um, 7.62. They're in 5.56, 2.23, 9 mil. Check out their pistols, two, five and a half inch, eight and a half inch. Kick-ass finishes, awesome rail system, skeletonized technology. Um, they're customized the way you want them. Watchtower firearms, cool grips, right out of the box. Uh, they're set to fit right out of the box, too. Uh, the rails are contoured, the uppers, no wiggle. Angle of the safety can be custom. They're as pretty as you want, as cool as you want to show off, ready to make you look good and even a better shooter. Best guns you'll ever shoot. Check out Watchtower Firearms for sure. Check out the Nisro 15. Episode 51 is also brought to you by our friends at Allegiance Gold. With banks failing and uh, 
Interest rate hikes, about 186 more banks are ready to fail, and yours could be next, unless the Fed does what they always do. They did it back in March. Print $300 billion out of thin air, making your dollar worthless, not to mention the recession risk that could have a significant impact on your investment and retirement accounts. Take my advice. Protect your financial future with something real, gold and silver, like I said, from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there has been only one universal currency that's always of value, and that's gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry, five stars with TrustLink, a triple A rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service that Allegiance Gold provides you. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com today. Protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call at 844-790-9191. 844-790-9191. Do not let the Fed play Monopoly with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Operator Podcast. Uh, once again, I'm Robert J. O'Neill, your host. And if you didn't know, the reason we call it the Operator Podcast is because I used to be a special operator, and I like to take advice from other operators, be it whatever you're doing in life, if you are um, uh, affecting something positively, uh, you are an operator, and, and I'd like you to hit me up on social media. Try to be nice um, and let me know what you think, operator, operator. I, uh, If I say something wrong, I will gladly take a correction if I am wrong, and uh, if I'm right, I'll, I'll shove it in your face. But today we have actually, the I think, the original operator. I'm with Johnny Strong, who started operator in uh, – anyway, sorry, Johnny. Well, welcome to the Operator Podcast. Hey, thanks, brother. And um, I appreciate you, like I was saying before – we started recording. I appreciate you not giving me shit for coming out with a book of the same name. Yeah, why um, not? I mean, it's but uh, um, and the operator podcast. Like I was saying, it's just anyone doing anything. And and you started that back in uh, in the early was it early nineties? Oh, it was a uh, late nineties. So um, after my um, my role in Black Hawk Down, uh, there was you know this was the first time I had heard that um, title being used besides like for telephone operator stuff, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was what they called the Delta guys was operators. And I remember um, I said, man, that's a great name. So I, I, uh, after I did Blackhawk, I uh, titled the music project that I was doing operator. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody knew what it was, you know, at the time. But- yeah. And and it's, um, I was just telling you earlier, uh, because I want to talk about your, your new movie coming out soon, uh, War Horse mm-hmm. One, but when you thanks for getting me an advanced um copy yeah. when i turned it on it said operator films and i was like well that's pretty cool i, w- I wonder when he trademarked that yeah but uh and by yeah, the way yeah, that was a while ago a while ago but you know i i'm not man we own nothing at the end of the day you know it's all going to be dust in the wind so very true everybody could use it you know that's that's cool that's 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 what i that's what i was thinking and uh, on hoping um w- i want to talk about the movie coming out in a little bit but cool before we talk about Warhorse One, um, I I uh, I read something that you said because you you uh, wrote it, directed it, and you're the star of it. 
and and I think you said you love it or hate it. Tell me what you think, and I don't doesn't I don't really care because it doesn't change the way I think or something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, well. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No. Go ahead. What, what, what? Yeah. The the exact thing was um, a buddy of mine who's actually in the film, um, Michael Sowers, uh, former SEAL. Uh, he and his uh, significant other Sambo were um, at my studio, and they were actually the first people I let watch the film. And um, I prefaced it by saying, "Listen." Um, I just want you guys to be able to enjoy the film or however you want. Just know that um, if you love it or you hate it, it won't change the way I feel about it. Right. You know, to kind of just take that edge off of sometimes, you know, when people are about to, you know, exhibit their um, their creation for you, sometimes uh, there's this level of like, oh, shit, I got to if this is terrible, I got to like pat the guy on the back or whatever, you know, but um I wanted just to take that edge off because, and this is a new thing in my life. When I was, I went through a crazy, um, I think all order, our artists go through like a, a, a crazy um, order of events where you originally create to express yourself. And then once you share that with people, you'll start to get a reaction. And sometimes like, you know, um, at least for me, it was, like one of those things that uh you start to crave that like if i was like hey rob check this song out and i played a song and you were like fuck that's awesome man i love that song there's this weird kind of reward thing that happens um you know endorphin wise that you go oh wow this guy likes it you know mm -hmm. so oh yeah that's a strange thing for me so um but but more recently in my life now um I've I've gotten to this amazing place where I don't fucking care what other people think of the things yeah. I create. It's like this, it's such a this um the satisfaction and and um the gratification that comes from me creating things that um need to come out. Um it no longer matters what other people think about them, you know. And when that, I was younger, I think that's yeah. just a younger thing that happens, you know. Yeah, once you stop caring what people think, it you can do a lot more because a lot of people, I, I mean, they're not thinking about you as much as you think they are. It's like even with the game of golf, like you're playing like shit. The other three guys don't care how you're playing; they're thinking about how they're playing. But yeah. that, but when when so Mike Sowers, um, he he and I were at SEAL Team Two together. He was actually my roommate. We lived together Sick. for a while, awesome. so I know him really well, and he's actually the the reason I got. So I've been seeing the trailers and some of the 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 build up to Warhorse, and I didn't then. I, it, I got the movie and I have to be honest, it is fucking fantastic. Mm. It, I, I got a, and I, I'm serious. Cause when I saw the trailer, I wasn't sure if it, you know, is this a dude rescuing an Afghan girl? And is that the mission or, or right, right. it didn't really explain how it happened. Right. But uh, I mean, it's everything from, and we'll get into the movie in a bit, but everything from the, 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 because now we're in a time where if with your gear or with your stance or how you're shooting or your mags right. or, or how right. you do comms or how you check and all this shit, if you don't do it right, you're going to hear about it. It's like, sure, I, sure. I've had pictures of me from 20 years ago where I accidentally have my elbow up in a shot and there, people are harassing me about, look at the oh, chicken yeah. wing. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. But um, yeah, the move, this movie Warhorse, that, like I said, I want to talk about later is uh, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I got to watch it alone because I've heard that grown men aren't supposed to cry. And I'm not afraid to say this 
there are scenes in this movie. I'm not going to ruin it, but boy, if you if you don't, man, it, it, just let it's it fucking let it out. brutal. It's yeah. brutal, you know. And this is, you know, it's. I'll tell you what, Rob. I love that you just expressed that to me, and not in like that exactly in the what I was just saying about the reward thing of other people saying great job or or whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. um, to me, I love watching this film alone because I get to like it's a hard thing to um explain um but it hits you in this way and and this is kind of why i made the film was there there's there's things that as a man you know um i don't know if our society embraces the concept of like men being able to deal with emotions you know and i think um and not in like the fucking pussy way of like I yeah, mean, I, I know. saw this. I dude, I saw this fucking video what two days ago where it was like these people in this auditorium and they were like, uh, yeah, um, I want to be recognized for my safe space. Um, right. I yeah. have like some weird auditory fucking thing that I don't like where people nothing like that, but like no actually no. dealing with real emotions, you know. It, it's a our mind, our body, and our spirit. Um, when those things are connected, um we're dealing with um the influence of the things that we experience every day, you know, and I'm sure, and I'd love to talk to you. And I, I got some questions for you, if you don't mind, I know it's not a mind at all. Yeah. Um, later on when we talk, um, but this is one of the things that's like, we've never been, um, we've never, uh, at least me, I was never fostered um, in my upbringing to express, uh, express emotion or how to process it or deal with it or yeah. get it out. And that's why for me, it was like one of the first things was piano and then it was guitar and then it was drawing, you know, all those things like kind of around five, six years old was like, boom. Wow. It became this way that I could get it out. Cause I didn't know how to get it out. Um, and that's why I became an artist, you know, and, and my version of an operator, you know, no, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, the, the thing that men aren't, I mean, like I saw that same thing where it's like, Hey, I have trigger warnings. And, and if you do this, I'll whatever, but yeah, like uh, a yeah. lot of, like, I know a lot of veterans who have post-traumatic stress and a lot, I mean, even though we're supposed to say we have it, a lot of them still won't. And sure. unfortunately they, they deal with it in the wrong ways. And there's a lot of suicides. I have friends that have killed themselves. And when, when you're at that point, we, there's something else we can do. And my, my best thing that I say is if you're having a bad day, just call someone. But more importantly, if you're having a good day, call someone because they might be having a bad day and just to sure. reach out, reach out and say, I'm thinking about you. I'm sending love your way. You can make someone's, um, and you know, you can make someone's day or you turn them around. And then there are other ways to deal with, and you don't need to be a, a veteran to have something traumatic that bothers you from, sure. from your past. But if you can learn to deal with 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 ways, there are ways that we will get into again later that you can you can get help. And it's it's like again the, the emotion though. I I found with Warhorse just there are scenes there where it's like I'm just gonna let it go. Fuck it, no one's watching. I'm just gonna watch it. Fucking a man, great, absolutely great movie. But so, um, I did want to ask you since you brought up music. You said you you start up. So you're you're from LA County, right? Yeah. And then you just at five started playing music. Well, yeah, you know, it was like kind of introduced. Well, the crazy thing was that five years old man was for me. Um, and we'll come back around to Athena sure. Turner, the the actress. Oh, I know. I, I really want to bring her up. Oh man, she's fucking amazing. She but stole the show. W- w- this was her <laughs> first um 
her first movie, her first acting thing, and it was five years old. And so there's a lot of um, correlations with me and my life. When I was five years old, I did my first kind of like professional gig where I was modeling clothes on a um, morning show. Like there, there was a t television show called Our Magazine back in Los Angeles. And I modeled cowboy clothes, like cowboy hat and cowboy shirt and boots mm -hmm. and shit. Um, and so that, and that's like kind of like the first, uh, at least what I remember when I started to get into the process of um, expressing myself, you know, and um, music was the first thing because I think music is, in my opinion, it is the most uh, connected um, internally um, of self-expression. And I think it's because of tone right? Everything in life is vibration and energy and stuff. And, the, mm -hmm. and I think the way music can pull things out of you, or at least, you know, connect you, your spirit can connect through music. And that this is, you go back, you know, thousands and thousands of years, we used to communicate with sound, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, stop fucking playing with my rock. It was like, Oh, oh you know, and those tones would communicate what people wanted to express, you know? So I think music and drums and tone is like, kind of like the first thing I picked up on. So it was like piano and then guitar and then bass and then drums. And then anything I could pick up and make a, a sound from, I'm not very good at like wind instruments, to be honest with you. But you're playing the rest of them. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you scored this movie and other movies, didn't you? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah and, and, I, I, to me, it's all great. the same shit, Rob. I'll tell you what it's like, when people go, what's the difference between like um, choking somebody in jujitsu or um, playing guitar or acting or directing? It's all the same shit. It all comes from the same point. It's like that's me like saying, what's the difference between you taking a long range shot as opposed to kicking a door? It's really you're operating from the same standpoint. Maybe there's some different technical aspects that you're applying, but uh, it's all the same shit. You're just doing your thing. You so know. music was just natural from from the word go. I mean, to me, it was. I, yeah. I there's a lot of people that don't have that, like the, they're not um, wired that way. But to me, it was like it was like an arc, man. To to what now I recognize as my creator, you know, like I think inside of us, right, um, millions of years of like, you know. Um, human beings trying to decipher like why we're here what we're doing where we come from all this type of stuff to me the way i can connect with my creator um is through self-expression because it, it's like there's some remnants inside of me that like during that act of creation is where i feel connected to the universe yeah that is um i've heard that before because i like i was mentioning with different treatments for for uh, PTSD, yeah, uh, the same thing with the vibrations and the frequencies. I mean, as crazy as stuff is, where you might not be able to see certain things because you're not on the same frequency. It's like uh, sure. it's like when you're you can be in a room and there's you turn on a hundred different radio stations, they're all on different frequencies. You can't hear them because you're not on it. But sure. when they start talking about the creation, and uh, I mean, maybe we dumbed it down just so we could maybe understand something that's, that's sure. bigger than us. But I've you know I've done some treatment where it, it just expands my horizons and it almost 
it's like everything will be okay. Like you're saying, just you know, stop worrying. Just give yourself a pat on the back and stop worrying about everybody. If else. you listen, if you have experienced that and went through that treatment, Rob. Oh yeah. It's like to me, it's like that is. That's why I create now, especially you know. Um, and I think as a child, you know, you don't know why you're doing certain things. You just start to do them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now I feel like that is my connection to that. And, you know, when people use words like coincidence, I said this the other day in a conversation, people say, oh, what a coincidence. This happened. That's like you said, the dumbing down. That's the way we um, make that safe for ourselves mm-hmm. is That's, we go, yeah. fuck, dude, there's like some spiritual energy that I don't understand. So I'm just going to fucking lie to myself and everybody else and That's say right. it's coincident, yeah. you know, that type of shit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So some before where it's like uh because you you get into different spirits of like even good and evil and stuff like that. And like you hear a bump mm. in the night or whatever. It's like, you know what? I'm 47 years old. If they haven't gotten me by now, I think I'm good. I'll just yeah. I'll, you do you. But that whatever. vibration, good and evil, man, those those are like those are you know, I often tell people, I don't know what's going to happen in the afterlife. A lot of people say, oh, it's this God or that God or this thing or that thing. Or someone asked me the other day, because I write about the creator and my connection mm-hmm. artistically. And they go, well, what's the name of your creator? And, you know, for me, I don't want to be mean to people on the internet, but I'm sitting there going, <laughs> I don't, I'm not um, egotistical enough or um you know um so bold to say that i know the name of my creator yeah know? and that's that's important too i'm i don't have a big enough ego to think that and it's it's almost like with um with well, cuz i mean a, a lot of people will fight about religion it's like maybe it's it's all one thing and we just call oh, it something man. different well you know we, think about thousands of years of people going no it's this guy it's that guy it's this guy yeah. it's this guy and i think what that is is it's a genuine human trait that we feel like we need to identify things we need to decipher the code in order for us to feel safe about it. and for me I, you know to be honest i don't know about you because i'm pretty sure you've done some wild things but um I I don't really feel the need to be safe. I'm okay in the danger. I and and 25 years of doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and and mixed martial arts. Man, when I'm in that flow state where anything could be happening, you know, there's another human being trying to choke me to death, but like there's a tacit agreement where we've shaken hands and said, "Okay, when I'm done, you stop," you know? Mm-hmm. Um, man, that danger, I live in that and I feel comfortable in that so i don't need to identify my creator i don't need to feel safe about that like i'm just blessed and happy that i get to have that connection you know yeah yeah just yeah i don't need to identify it and i think when people do that it's almost the left brain right brain just trying to protect you and it it might make you a bit more narrow and yeah. I, you know, I just, I was, I was raised Catholic. I don't want to get into all the religious stuff. Me too, brother. Me too. Recent, recently, because of, um, the, the, you know, I haven't been to war in, in whatever, over a decade. And the further you get away from it, the more you realize some of the stif- stuff you thought was right might not be right. And that's where some of it comes in. And a lot of veterans realize this. So I, I got into more of the, um, um, they don't like the psychedelics, the, they being the government, because, if if more veterans use that, they would be more open minded and realize that um, sure. maybe it's a control thing. 
Yeah, but it's kind of opened my eyes to everything, and it's it's almost like a it's a better place. So, it's a, like you said, don't be so arrogant that um, you you have to name yours, and then if if you don't agree with me, you're wrong, and I'm right. Well, that's the thing is that you know I think that's a another human trait is like um, you know the concept of arrogance and thinking you know. Like I've talked to a lot of people, and they go, "Well, I know because of this, no. or I know about that," and I, you know, for me is like that's not what's important what's important is for us to be connected with that um that energy and that vibration mm-hmm. i agree and yeah you know? it's, more people need to be open-minded to it and um, this is this is one of the things about warhorse one which is like w- when i'm watching that i don't know about you but when i'm watching that and i feel that that connection Man, it's like one of the coolest things ever. And yeah, definitely, you know, um, I don't like watching it with other people because uh, I feel like I can't let go and <laughs> yeah. absorb it. You know, it's a yeah. it's a it's a strange thing. So I'm glad I, you got to experience that. I had to, I privately. had to see it twice before I, I'm gonna show my wife, but I had to see it twice just so I know it's coming. Cause yeah. I mean, you know, she's seen me cry at movies before. So but we've been together a while, but uh, yeah. I, I got I gotta show her. She's gonna she's gonna love it. So um but you you mentioned martial arts. I, that's that's I was looking that up, and you started that at, at a young age too, with uh, kickboxing, Jeet Kune Do, and that stuff. Yeah, judo was my first judo introduction. Yeah, throwing people around. Yeah, um, and I loved it. And that was another another connected thing. Like I was like, oh, it's like that same comes from that same place, like a water from a, the same spring or water from the same well. You know, like to me, it's. That's all part of the connection. And and also, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think uh, one of the things that I feel, you know, in my spirit is like the honor and respect for the body, for the self, like this, this vessel we're, we're blessed and given. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, it's my... Um, responsibility and my obligation to um to try to make it the best it can be and maintain it the best it can be maintained so i don't poison it with one thing or the other and i you know it's a respect thing and and i think you know martial arts is one of those one of those aspects where it's you know i'm always um you know when someone says oh you've been doing this for 40 something years you know and you've been doing this particular one for a quarter of a century like to me i go yeah why haven't you been doing that no you know like like what is that like you know or i see guys like um and this is a thing and maybe it's a i see guys you know um and i'm gonna say something i don't want to offend anybody but if they get offended that's on them is you know I'll, i'll see people like you know with um with devices like alcohol and things like that and i'm like this is a poison and you were talking about psychedelics, which I think is one of those natural things that'll help us get into that state of connection. Um, but to me, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs, I don't do any of that. You know, that's mm-hmm. part of like the thing, you know. And um, and since a young age, um, I, you know, when I was a teenager, I got drawn into that. Um, because to me, it's like, um, it's a way to numb things if you don't if you know i don't know if you agree but no i I do agree uh to to prevent yourself from feeling things yeah i I mean speaking speaking of um of the energy uh the the high frequencies and low frequencies i had one of my um 
one of my therapists say that with with alcohol, because some of the psychedelics can actually help you with alcoholism. Um, but they said the reason you can feel like the, I don't know if the evil is the right word, but if you have alcohol too much, the frequency goes lower, and that's when you're more more vulnerable. Absolutely. So, I mean, again, I hope people that are listening aren't offended or think I'm a complete lunatic, but no. that's just, that's just, um, yeah, it's, it, uh, it comes back to it too. And, and I, I'd imagine doing, um, martial arts at such a young age and continuing with that. That's a, that's a, I mean, I'm not, I would imagine it's a much healthier way to, uh, to let it out. But so I, the, um, you started with judo and obviously you've been, you've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu now for 25 years. Yep. And that was originally, and and obviously jujitsu is just taken off. But that that kind of came from Brazil, based off of judo, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Maeda went to uh, Brazil and kind of introduced it to um, the Gracie family. Um, but it was one of those things that um, you said something that was awesome. That uh, God, I forget what you said. It, it totally <laughs> inspired me to want to say something to you. But, All right. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. It, to me, when I was doing it, man, it was like no one in Hollywood was doing it or maybe a couple guys. I know Ed O'Neill from like married with children, yeah. like, and yeah. I, cause I was in the movie business. So, but when I would tell actors on movie sets, like when I, this is like, I started in like 98 ish with yeah. uh, my coach, Chris. And then eventually um, after I got back from Blackhawk, I, I, I went to like a regimental school to do it. Um, cause I started at a different school in North Hollywood uh, and I didn't get along with the instructor there. Um, but me and Chris would train at my house. But man, like on the set of Black Hawk Down, I would tell people, oh man, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, MMA. And they looked at me like I was fucking crazy. Like they were like, they equated it to like the early UFC shit where like- Oh, right, like yeah, yeah. Full like cage fighting <laughs> shit. And I was well, like, no man, it's really cool. It's like, you know, you could do this. And they thought I was fucking nuts, man. And um, and now it's like blown up into this crazy popular- well, the like uh, the the, the no. UFC started uh, by the Gracie family, like, like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and Hoist Gracie obviously fought in it, and that was Gracie's to show man. everybody that there's a better because we had you had shoot fighters, kickboxers, sumo wrestlers, boxers, and it's no holds bar one tournament a night, and that's I remember I watched I was in high school and uh, we're like did you see that shit last night that dude was on the bottom and he won then no yeah. one knew he won and the guys tap and no one knows what that is. Yep. Well, dude, and, that's that's exactly how. My buddy Chris Lissandro, who's my coach, uh, shout out to um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Club. Um, we were watching. He was at his apartment watching. Uh, this is '93. Yeah, oh, yeah. On pay per view, and he's yes, watching, and I'm watching at my place. And he calls me, and he's like, "Dude, did you see the shit?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> man." I and he goes, "Do you think this is bullshit? You think there's like some w Oh, he wasn't. He wasn't doing it yet. shit. Like it, it. He thought it was. Uh, both of us were like, Wait, yeah. "What is this?" You know. And um, and it changed my life. Shout out to Hoist too. He's one of my boys. Um, oh, he just he, life, you know? he was turned into a superstar overnight. And that, I mean, and that just introduced it to everyone. And and again, people didn't know what to think of it. I mean, even if you watch like back then, I think Brian Kilmeade was doing the the. He was a commentator. No, he had no idea what they're doing. Neither did anyone else. And if you compare yeah. it now to like Rogan doing, like he knows everything he's saying. It's like sure. this is just a night and day. But to see what jujitsu did is. But like even when when you said uh, Black Hawk Down was was Tom Hardy's first movie, maybe one of his first, and Little he was Tommy Hardy, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't. He, he's big into jujitsu now, but he he um he wasn't even. Did he even try it on set or? 
No, man. No, I tried to get people to fucking roll with me. And they were like genuinely like not into it. Like even on <laughs> Fast and Furious, like I remember um, me and Paul Walker one day um, were on set and he's like, so um, I hear you do jujitsu. And I was like, yeah, man. And he's like, and I think I want to say he didn't believe me. I want to say he thought I was full of shit because a lot of actors are completely full of shit. Hollywood is like notoriously <laughs> full of shit. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll show you something. So I was like, um, I'll show you a basic like footlock. And so I wrap him up in this footlock and um, I have it in play, but I'm not trying to submit him or anything. I just go, you know, if I was here and I arch back and I lock right. it up and then, then you'll, you know, I'll break your, I'll break your leg. And, and he goes, well, what if I roll out of it? And he rolled and it just got tighter and deeper. Mm -hmm. And I remember I just arched a little bit and he tapped and he's like, oh, okay. Okay. Like he just wanted to verify that I was it's, that it's legitimate. not full of shit. And I remember the director came up and he said, he goes, Johnny, what are you doing? If you hurt my star, my movie, oh, you're going to fuck up production or whatever the fuck. And I was like, oh, sorry, man. I was, he asked me to, you know, anyways. So, uh, that's yeah, just curious. You yeah. speaking of, um, um, shit that gets popular obviously fast and furious got extremely popular and they've yeah. got like the uh boba fett cult mentality because i uh and i didn't know this till recently but your character leon yeah. was uh was famous for showing up and then famous for leaving and you want to uh, hear something crazy about yes. that uh, so and i like i said about coincidences right so i'm the only guy that hasn't returned to that franchise yeah um after I left the car that was my car, because you know it's like the characters are kind of synonymous with their vehicles, right? right? It's a strange like fucking uh, transformer type of thing or whatever. <laughs> um, but that car was destroyed because it was brought illegally into the United States. Oh no! So apparently the feds destroyed it, like actually had it destroyed, and uh, I just thought that was appropriate that i left and the car was destroyed the so, car was gone in and out there was a, there was a reference i think to leon in like the third or fourth but they didn't show you but i haven't dude i saw the the first film yeah. twice <laughs> i haven't seen anything else i've seen trailers and stuff with like yeah. you know they made 10 of them the right? rock or whatever yeah. you know or, mm -hmm. um I don't know, man. I just, you've seen War Horse One. Like, that's what yeah. I want to do. I yeah. want to, you know, I want to create, especially now in my life, you know, um, there's this saying that um, every man has two lives. Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't heard that. So it's, uh, I'm going to butcher it. So don't quote me. That's on all that. good. But every man has two lives. It's the first one he lives. And then the second one, when he realizes he only has one. Oh, shit. That's deep. Yes some profound shit if you didn't if you didn't if it's if you reworded it that's a better way right there yeah, it's, okay. it's, <laughs> um so i think so so when when uh but speaking of fast and furious it, yeah. it came out and at the pre you didn't make the premiere because you were in morocco filming black hawk down yeah and, it was when right? they invited me and they wanted me to go and all that kind of stuff but um um I was working on Black Hawk and that was a very, very special um, project for me. Um, I had this uh, profound experience, Rob, um, a profound experience where I was working out one day and I've told the story, but I'll tell you because it's kind of cool to share this 
individually with people, but I was mm-hmm. working out my, um, my house one day and I got a new weight vest and I don't know if you've ever got new workout equipment in, and I'm sure on the teams, you get a bunch of fucking equipment. And the first thing you do is like, let's go fucking test this shit out. You know? <laughs> yeah, of course. So I got this fucking weight vest, man. And, uh, I'm like, man, I'm going to crush it. So I start doing push-ups and pull-ups. I had this like, you know, kind of stretchy thing between my door frame and one of my houses. Um, and so I'm doing pull-ups and push-ups and air squats and shit. And the weight vest is crushing my ass. Like it was a 50 pound vest. So yeah, it's a lot. Um, so anyways, um, the TV's on in the background, bro. And it's a, I think it was the history channel called deadliest missions or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I'm working out, I'm just listening to this shit in the background and and it talks about deadliest sniper missions. And it's these two snipers yeah. mm-hmm. that go in to protect a crashed helicopter in the desert. I thought it was the desert. Like my, my brain was thinking it was the desert. So like I was envisioning like the fucking sands of Iraq or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to this as I'm working out, Rob, I have one of those moments that you had during War Horse where they they um they started to explain what happened to these guys oh yeah and i fucking start bawling in my fucking living room while i'm training with a weight vest on and i was like okay two seconds ago i was the toughest fucker on earth and now i'm like the you know the biggest pussy that ever lived so it was crazy but it was like so impactful that the first thing in my mind rob yeah i'm gonna do that i'm gonna show the world that moment i can do that like that's gonna be what i do i shit you not i knew it i fucking knew it and there was there was a part of my brain that was like you know how when you talk to yourself about any situation i'm sure you've kicked a door and like your brain's talking to yourself while you're doing all your shit oh every time you know what i mean right Mm -hmm. so my brain's going well how are you gonna do that how are you going to fucking show the world that you have no power in Hollywood. You have no way to make that or whatever it is, but I fucking knew it. I knew it by way of that connection of just energy and vibration. How how many, uh, how many years before the movie was made? Did you do this was like, I think like a year or two years, whenever that show came out prior to that. Yeah. And then the crazier thing was they were making a movie in Hollywood called Pearl Harbor. Yes. And I, and they, um, I got this the um, the um, casting session that they uh, brought me in. This woman, the one of the best casting directors that Hollywood's ever had, was Bonnie Timmerman, and um, I got called in for the role that actually Josh Hartnett ended up playing. Mm-hmm. And I remember I read it, and I went in, and I the first thing I said, I go, Bonnie, you're the fucking greatest, you know, but I don't want to do this movie. And she's like, why? This is a huge movie. Everyone in Hollywood's trying to get in this movie. And I said, well, because it just kind of seems like they took this, because Titanic was really big. I think they took this Titanic type script and kind of painted World War II on top of it. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. And I was like, I'm not into it. And then there was a part of my brain that was like, well, I like this other role. And she says, no, Ben Affleck is playing that role. So you can't play that role. And I go, well, then I'm not interested. You know, there was like, it was like the duality of everybody. Uh, We all say, yeah, yeah, that chick, whatever. Oh, wait, she wants to fuck me? You know, that type (laughs) of thing. Um, So, uh, but dude, I, 
she took me downstairs and showed me this giant like 3D model they had built of Pearl Harbor and the ships and all this. And I was like, listen, I think you're the greatest, Bonnie, but I'm not interested. And so we're sitting in her office and she says, well, I'm, I got a project coming up that you would be really right for. And um, I'll let you know. I was like, okay, whatever. Hugs and kisses. Goodbye. I left and didn't think about it. And then I'm on the set of the Fast and the Furious, dude. And I'm walking, I just did this scene and I'm walking back to my trailer and Vin Diesel, you know, Mark is sitting there yeah. in his, the door of his trailer. And he's like, Johnny, you hear about this script? And I go, no, what is it? And he goes, uh, it's called Black Hawk Down. You'd be really good for it. And I was like, Black Hawk Down, huh? He's like, yeah, it's about military guys. And I was like, okay, cool. Okay. All right, man. Thanks, bro. And I go to my trailer and I'm like, fuck, I got to call my manager, man. Like, I got to find out what this is. And so I call my manager and I'm like, hey, there's a thing. Da, da, da. And um, they go, okay, great. Like, I don't know how many days go by, weeks, whatever. And they go, all right, we got you an audition for it. It's Bonnie. And she wants you to come in and read. But it's, uh, we're going to send you the sides. So she uh, uh, sends, I mean, the um, my manager sends me the sides. And sides are they're called breakdowns so it's like hollywood puts out a thing where it goes um the hunt for bin laden uh mm. seal operator rob o'neill you know da, 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 yeah. and it's like okay. super fucking handsome chiseled <laughs> da, 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 right and uh <laughs> so anyways they have this list of things that i'm reading and it's like this ranger this ranger this ranger and then it goes into this delta operator and da, da, da. I'm like, yes oh, that's fucking dope you know mm -hmm. And I'm not even thinking, I'm not even connecting the dots, man. And I'm just looking at it. And then the, I read the sides and it's for a ranger. And it's a young range, 18-year-old ranger that gets hit in the femoral artery and who's yeah. bleeding out. And he's talking to his team about his, his um, ranger buddies who are trying to, you know, keep him alive. And the, and the scene is like, you know, tell my mom I did good, you know, this kind of stuff. Like really emotional stuff. Oh, yeah. And I called and I was like, I was like, guys. Uh, I like this other these other roles, the Delta guys. Yes, and um, the manager's like, they're not reading for those. You got to read this scene. So I'm like, I think a couple of days before, I'm just sitting there panicked because I'm like, fuck, I want this other part. And I go, all right, my game plan is I'm just going to go in there, Rob, and read it like a seasoned Delta operator. Same situation, shot in the femoral artery, bleeding out. But this guy has like trained with the best of the best, been through it, unit guys, you know. And so I go in and I'm like, hey, Bonnie, da, 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 and we set up the camera and we do this thing. And um, I read it like that. I read the scene like a Delta, like how I how I perceived what a Delta operator mm -hmm. would um, be going through. And we finished the scene and it was really good, you know. And she goes, Johnny, um, he's 18. You know, he's really worried. This is his first time in battle and da, da, right. da, da. And I go, oh, okay, okay, okay. Let's do it again. So I do it the exact same way. The wrong way of the scene, mm -hmm. right? And um, she goes, she looks at me and she fucking knows what I'm doing. And she goes, are you sure that's what you want to do? I go, yep, mm -hmm. 100%. And I, and, uh, you know, hugs, kisses, goodbye. And I leave and I forget about it. And then all of a sudden, one day I'm in my house and I get a phone call and it's Johnny, do you have your passport? And I'm like, yeah, I got my passport. What's up? Mm -hmm. You're going to North Africa to shoot Black Hawk down. And I go, well, what, what role is it? 
So, and this is back in the day of faxes, bro. This is fucking prior to the real internet, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't even have a fucking email at this point. <laughs> I mean, this is this is how crazy long ago that mm -hmm. was. Um, and they send over this fax. I'll never fucking forget it, bro. It comes out of my fax machine. I look at it and it's the breakdowns, but there's only two rolls. Like, cause you know, a breakdown could be like multiple pages and it's sure. just the page with these two rolls. And it's Delta Sniper, Randall Sugart. Yep. and delta sniper gary gordon gary gordon and it, and, it, yeah. and it lists out like the kind of like little synopsis of these characters and right at that fucking moment dude i instantly sense memoried back to being in my yeah. house working out and going holy fuck i'm gonna be a it. part of that yeah that's what i'm gonna do and some people might hear that story and think ah you know this that and the other man that that's how I know there is some sort of weird spiritual energy connection in the world. You know, like that's a great example of that moment. You know, some oh, people totally want to is. attribute it to one thing or the other, but man, it was magical. And it was like one of the most amazing things that I was able to be a part of and to immortalize on film, you know, that what, what those guys did. Um, oh, that's a it's, really it's, special it's thing, incredible. you know? It's yeah. incredible. And you, I mean, you hundred percent nailed that role too. Just with the, uh, I mean, the whole movie, I, I was, I just interviewed a, a ranger, a buddy of mine who was in combat and he joined because of that movie. I know guys that joined like, and just the way that Bla Black Hawk down with task force ranger, it was, you know, Delta and, and the Rangers, they call the yeah. task force ranger, uh, operation Gothic serpent back in 93. But the yeah. way the movie was able to, like you're saying, show the young Rangers and show the seasoned Delta operators and both. I mean, both sides nailed it. The like the the um, Josh Harnett played the he's the the senior um, sergeant in the Rangers. But he's also yeah. younger than the Delta guys and the Delta guy just just like cool as shit. And then this the scene, because obviously Randy uh, uh, Shugart and uh, Gary Gordon were awarded the medals of honor because they went in to a down pilot to yeah. um, get to find Mike Durant. And like you, they knew they were go going to die. We're going to go in there. We're going to fight it out. We're going to try to save him. And the way you guys played it, though, it, um, and if forever's listening, if you're younger and you haven't seen Black Hawk Down, go see it now. But um, the way that you played Sugart and the way you handed him um, a gun and said, uh, I'll be right here or something, something like that. And that's him knowing he's going to, you nailed it. And it's, it's a, another. I appreciate that, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, Black Hawk Down is, it's one of those movies. If, if, even if I'm in the middle of something at home and it's on, I'm going to watch it. I, I'll stop what I'm doing and watch it. But it's a, yeah, it's a special film, man. And, you it know, um, it's an interesting thing. Um, and you said something, which I've heard both sides of this um, topic where some people say, well, they knew they were going in with no way out and some guys that i've talked to that are ex delta guys um said they thought they would go in and protect this crash site um for a period of time until a convoy came to yeah. pull these guys out yeah so it was like kind of like two sides to that story but to me the what's so remarkable and what i you know i was asked the other day um i was talking to a guy and they he he said Oh, Johnny, um, yeah, you did this movie, you did Black Hawk Down. Are you a fan of the military? And it's a fucking strange question, man, because I think it's the wrong choice of words, to be honest yeah, with you. Like, I, I am not a fan of violence. I am not a fan of war in general. I mean, this is like the scourge of humanity. Besides disease there's and famine, right? 
war, disease, famine. That's just like the fucking worst case scenario all the way around. So, but what it is about the Sugar and Gordon and my connection with like a lot of my friends, Rob, and I'm sure hopefully after this, you and I can maintain a relationship. Of course. Um, there's something I feel connected to with people that have the desire to be better than they were yesterday. You know, yeah, what I mean? of course, that's in that's incredible. Yeah, it's um, it like uh, guilt and regret. You're not getting we are, time's moving and it's going to keep moving. You can learn from your mistakes, but you're not getting time back. And um, yeah, and that trying, commitment. Tr tr trying to be that, better tomorrow. Yeah, that's great. Trying to be better that, today. Yeah, well, that commitment to me, it's like, you know, you have these recruits that show up and they're um, what is that? Uh, there's a great one from Full Metal Jacket where the guy uh, Gunny says, you look like 250 pounds of cheap bubble gum or some shit, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I but there's something about, you know individuals that want to be better versions of themselves that that are committed to overcome the obstacles um and be dedicated i i think there's something that like that's something that i um strive for in my daily life you know yeah, i um, yeah and i have a question for you man sure. and, and i've talked away. to a lot of team guys um and if you don't mind i'm gonna ask mind. you a question is sure. your younger self and let's not say your kid self, but like your younger self and, you know, at going through the teams and stuff, your greatest fear. Uh, well, it's, I mean, the greatest fear at first when I was young before nine 11 was not getting through seal training because, um, everyone told me I couldn't do it back home. And that's one of the enemies is all your doubts, all your fears and everyone who told you, you couldn't do it. Um, and then, you know, getting through buds, going to seal team two pre nine 11, there wasn't really a fear because I'm with the best guys in the world. Um, then in combat, it, it it's one of those things where be careful what you wish for, because as a 27 year old Navy seal, who's never been to combat after nine 11, I'm like, I'm going to go fight anybody. But then you get into combat and you see the, um, the humanity of, of everything that's around there because it's not, everyone's a combatant and not, and a lot of people don't want to be there. And and it was never a, a, a my greatest fear. I the, the I was afraid of failing. Um, I didn't want to let my guys down. That that's one of the things. When it was when I was even the Bin Laden raid, it was never a going up the last set of stairs. It wasn't. A, I'm afraid to go up there. It's like fuck it. I'm tired of thinking about it. Let's get it over with. But I'm yeah. not going to let down the guy in front of me. I got if when he goes left, I got to go right. Shit like that. So it was a fear of failing my guys. It was never. It was never. You know about me. You know what's awesome. Almost every fucking team guy I've ever talked to, that's exactly yeah. the what their greatest fear was, was failing the team. Um, yeah. And We're pretty good what, about that. Yeah, you know, and I, I'd i like to point something out. Right? Sure. For me, I was a loner growing up. I didn't have friends. I was actually just saying this last night to my girl. Um, we were driving on a road trip and... We we're talking about movies and she had said, uh, no, she had said something. Um, we were driving past a sign and it said um, Tentura or some, something like that. And my mm -hmm. brain remembered Ace Ventura where his <laughs> landlord goes, Ventura. I, okay. I know that exactly right when she said it, I go, <laughs> my reply to that was yes, Satan. 
And uh, <laughs> yes, that is a, I, iconic uh, movie stuff. Yes. So, <laughs> um, but but I go, man, yeah. What if? And she goes, wow, what a great movie. Da, da, da. And I go, yep, I watched that by myself at Universal Studios, um, the movie theater up there. And she goes, you watch it by yourself? I go, dude, half my childhood, I I went to movies by myself. Mm -hmm. Beetlejuice, I saw that like fucking twelve times by Beetlejuice, myself. of course. Um, back to school with Rodney mm -hmm. Dangerfield. Yes. Like I used to go to movies by Lindy. myself because I didn't really have friends. And um, and one of the things, because I wasn't a team guy, my thing was failing myself. Mm -hmm. In all my training, right that I do, it was always based on, well, even now today. Like if I'm in the uh, physical um, strength conditioning session, or if I'm doing jujitsu, or if I'm doing um, um, firearms training or whatever, it's always like my thing is pushing myself. And the reason for that is so that I don't fail in performance. You know what I mean? Like, why am I fucking training? What, what drives me to go torture myself every fucking day of my life? Mm -hmm. And it's for the, you know, the possible, or maybe you say the inevitable, um, for that moment where you have to perform for you, Rob, kicking the door and seeing an HVT and doing work. Um, that's the performance, brother. That's mm -hmm. not practice. You're, you are now on the fucking field doing it. Oh yeah. It's and game so, time. And, and the training side of that, you know, for me or you, the training part is the preparation, right? And so I didn't have a team. I didn't have friends. So I was the only guy that would be fucking let down if I didn't do what I needed to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, well, and um, I, I, I want to say, hold on before. Yeah, no, no, you're good. You're good. I want to say, I think that has something to do with it. It's not about you, right? Your fear of failing your team is really, that's why you push yourself. Yes. That's so that point. you don't fail. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fail, you're not going to fail your team. And the crazy thing about it, being a guy that wasn't a team guy that didn't have friends growing up, that's my biggest fear is the other way around. Mm -hmm. It's someone fucking failing me. That's how do you my deal with biggest that? fear. How do, how do you deal with that? Man, it's, man, I deal with this in my work, you know, like um, being on a movie set and I go to sleep early. I eat good. I train hard every day. First day at like four in the morning, I'm up working out, getting ready to do what I need to do for the day, right? I take care of myself like mentally, physically, spiritually in order to be the best that I could and give a hundred fucking thousand percent in the performance day of, right? And then I see people drinking and smoking all night and they get to work and they look like shit. They feel like shit. They perform like shit. And I'm going... It's so fucking easy to not go through that process. Like all yeah. you do is you don't fucking poison the well, you know, and then you're confused while you're sick the next day, you know? So, it's so easy to not. That's a great point. It's so easy. And, the, and, and for some people, brother, they look at it as hard work. And to me, that's the easy stuff. You know, that's the easy stuff. The, the hard work um, is dealing with people that don't put the fucking effort that you put in, you know, that's my greatest fear uh, ah. to turn the question around. I know like, that's good. I, and I, that, you know? I, I saw that I got out of the military in 2012 
And I think I assumed that everybody was going to be as loyal uh, as I was used to be. Cause everyone, every, like I was lucky when I was a SEAL team six, especially I would wake up every morning and, and be fortunate to get to go to work with people who were better than me. And I just, that, and like, and, and I've seen now in the private sector that if someone's performing better, they're going to try to undermine that to, to make you look worse or some weird shit. And Bro, I had I'm, no, <laughs> I, I always say this, Rob, a man should not just be judged by the people that love him, but also, and more importantly, by the people that hate him, mm. because the, in those people, you will see the qualities that this guy fights against, mm -hmm. that this guy strives every day to not succumb to and you are fucking so lucky and that's what i love about uh the teams and 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 delta and these you know the the special units is is their whole process is i'm gonna push you until you're ready to quit and then we know right mm. you know for the exception of one one bad day or one good day whatever but then we know who's gonna Who's going to let us down? And then we select the guys, the best of the fucking best. Like to me, I love that. If I could do that in, in my work, Rob, I would, but it's just, mm -hmm. bro, it's fucking almost impossible, especially no, in movie it's business. It's a, it's a tough thing. Like, I don't know if that's just our society, Rob. If people just don't fucking give a shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know? I don't have a lot of experience in the movie business, but I've, I've heard things about it. And, uh, it's it's uh not not a ton of loyalty, <laughs> you know, bro. It's like you know the fucking crazy thing is though, Rob. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little excited about this. No, it's all good. Um, this is good. Like we're talking in on my, you know, in private. <laughs> um, dude, I see this shit on the teams though. When guys get out, these guys are shitting on these guys. Those guys are shitting well, that, on these yeah, guys. That does and happen. And and it's it's funny, you know. To me, it's like, what a fucking waste. What a waste. We could all be trying to fucking work on like the real problems that humanity faces. And we're so fucking preoccupied with like the bullshit of like this petty nonsense to that. Yeah, you know, a lot of that. Man, it fucking blows my mind. But, you know, this is why if you look at the credits of the film, like on my crew, maximum like 10 people. Mm -hmm. And who, who, who and, was and that? Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask. Speaking of actors and then team guys or Delta guys, who was advising on Black Black Hawk Down? Harry Humphreys. Oh yeah, uh, I know who he is. Harry is a ex, uh, former SEAL. Yep. Um, and I got a cool story about that, which sure. is pretty dope. Um, and Lee Van Arsdale, ex uh, unit guy. Cool. Um, he went on to Triple Canopy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, Harry was like the guy that trained. He was like the kind of hands-on everyday. Yeah. yeah. He's legendary. Tactical dude, you know, mm -hmm. fucking super great guy to work with. And so he's got what fucking like 50, 60 actors from Hollywood. And let me tell you, actors from Hollywood, bro, is like, you couldn't, I don't think there was, there's a plane big enough for the egos. Okay. Um, so you got all these dudes and they're trying their heart out. They went to, where did they go? Did they, they went to um, one of the, one of the bases. I know some of the Delta guys went to Bragg, I think. And then uh, uh, Benning, I think the other guys went. Yeah. To Rangers are from Benning and then yeah, uh, Delta's yeah, yeah. Bragg. So, yeah. so they took a bunch of actors to Benning and had them do fucking drills uh -huh. and all this shit. 
And um, and me, bro, I didn't do none of that. Really? The I think like the, the day I got the call was I was at Angela's shooting range in Los Angeles doing bolt action uh, sniper training mm-hmm. uh, because that's what I did in my personal life. Like most of my life is just spent training. Uh, that's what I do. And I just occasionally do movies to kind of break up the training. Um, but anyways, um, so I didn't go to do any of that kind of stuff. So I'm in Morocco and, and it's been a while and Harry's wife is coming to visit us and we're in the bar at the Hilton in Rabat. And it's fucking like a ton of actors, like 20 actors. And they're all, and Harry's told everybody that his wife is coming and they're all kind of gathered around. And I'm kind of on the outside of that thing. And I think I was actually drinking at that point. I still drank alcohol and I, I was drinking whiskey with um, Sam Shepard. He played oh. um, uh, Garrison. Mm-hmm. If you remember the film. Oh I, oh, I do. He did a great job too. Yeah. Sam's a yeah, man. Legendary RIP. Oh yeah. Um, he, yeah he and, looked, I mean, he looked, looked like a general, like he sounded like it. It was great. Yeah. And he was a really cool guy, man. Him and I were sitting there drinking and he'd like Pernod. I, I, I don't know if that was like tequila or what it was called Pernod. I just remember that name. And I was a Jack Daniels guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're sitting there drinking and he was, Sam's sitting there going, man, he's like, so what do you do? Da, da, da. I was like, oh, I do anything. I'm an artist, you know, write music. He's like, music, huh? He's like, what kind of car you drive? And I was like, um, 69 Mach 1 Mustang. And he's like, ah, last guy I knew, buddy of mine, Jim Morrison drove a Mustang or something <laughs> like that. Mind. And he goes, and he's taking a sip of his fucking Pernod. And he's like, he was a shit poet. <laughs> or something like that about Jim Morrison. I was like, Jim Morrison, fucking, yeah. I mean, what a crazy life. So anyways, yeah. so Harry's wife shows up and he's bringing her into the bar and all these actors are huddled around and I'm kind of on the outskirts of that. And he goes, I forget his wife's name and I'm dickhead for not remembering, but he's like, honey, I want to introduce you to Johnny strong, the best weapons man in Hollywood I've ever worked with. And you could just see these other actors going, what? (laughs) Um, But that was like kind of my expertise, man was like, because of the training I did outside, it just like reflected in front of the camera and shit. So, well, you knew you everything like we were talking about earlier. You know, you know how to hold it. You know how to use it. I mean, the, the for shooting the bolt action. That's sniper rifles were. Um, yeah, just you know I thought to- we would be because they were snipers. I thought we were doing uh, going to be doing bolt action stuff, and uh, but that was the first time they I got there and they were like, oh yeah, Randy using M fourteen. Oh, the and oh M fourteen. That's right. That's right. So yep. I had to I had to relearn the manual of arms for that. Uh, platform because i had never used it before mm-hmm. and it was a cool showcase too because i you know while we were shooting that um sequence where randy and gary are protecting the uh, crash site um i thought it would be cool to like use this gun and use that gun and use this gun and like kind of showcase all the manual of arms and randy doing work with all that stuff i thought it was a pretty cool thing Oh, that was a, it was a great scene, and whoever whoever trained the guys at uh, at Bragg and at at uh, Benning that they again the difference between the way that Rangers and Delta were portrayed is exactly how it is. It just it, it, again, it was a fantastic job. I wondered who uh, who uh, yeah Harry Humphreys man he, yeah he, uh, yeah he, he, I, he I knew he was dude. out there. And um, were you guys because when I saw Black Hawk Down, I think it was January of two thousand two, so nine eleven was obviously very oh, fresh dude. there was some spooky shit rob the spooky shit like i remember we would we'd be sitting in this like um and because this is a you know morocco is a muslim country yes and um 
there was some spooky shit, man, where there were dudes like kind of looking at, and I don't know if it was just because a lot of the Rangers, man, the younger kids were total douchers. Like when it came to like how they were acting, Mm -hmm. there were guys like fucking crashing their mopeds and shit all over the place. Like, and I'm sure like the locals were like, oh, these fucking assholes. There's like probably what it is. Yeah. Um, And you know what I did, which is kind of interesting. I was like, I got one of them tunics or whatever it's called. Like those traditional, um, it was like a dark gray and they had these hoods on them, like almost like Star Wars looking yeah. things. And I don't that's know what, what I, that's what I would wear around town just so I would blend in with everybody. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't look like some asshole, you know, with a, you know, American yeah, that, flag that's... jacket on or something, you know? Um, yeah, we get, we got shit. Um, <clears throat> Cause there, I, have, I have pictures of me from Afghanistan and I have a big red beard and whatever. And they're like, what do you think you're going to blend in? I'm like, no, I'm not going to blend in. They're, they're, they're going to know, like even in movies when people pretend they're speaking Pashto, if you don't speak Pashto growing up, you're going, they're going to know you're a foreigner. Sure. It's like, I'm just not looking like a fucking dickhead. I have a beard. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Man. That's it. Yeah. They'll look at you and they'll go, oh, okay. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's not assimilating, but he's like in respect of the culture. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, to me, it was one of those things that I kind of tried to keep to myself blend in a little bit you know like um you know that was just kind of my vibe out there but it was it was an interesting experience and um so we need to take a a short break here because i have a question for you what's more american than a bald eagle the fourth of july is almost here and that means a couple of things barbecues pool parties and last but not least glizzies and it just so happens the sponsors of today's show manscaped are making sure all of the glizzy gladiators across the nation are groomed for battle on America's birthday. From sea to shining sea, join over 8 million pube patriots worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use the code THEOPERATOR at manscaped.com. Talk about the American dream. I have mentioned before that if you cut the lawn, the house might look bigger, but sometimes you can... Scar yourself a little bit and cut yourself a little bit when you're grooming the house. But uh, now Manscaped has actually helped my confidence. It's only right to start with America's favorite performance package, 4.0. In this package, you'll find the lawnmower, 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. You got the lawnmower 4.0. Call yourself an American without a lawnmower? I don't think so. Their fourth-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight when you need a more precise shave. The trimmer is designed for below the belt but has been known to carve out exquisite 4th of July mullets as well. <laughs> uh, take your freedom bells to the next level by going to manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. Get 20% off with free shipping with our discount code, the operator. Get your independence back this Independence Day and unlock your confidence with Manscaped. Manscaped.com, code, the operator. So I do need to take a second here and ask you a question. Uh, when did we decide to stop upholding free speech as a basic right without big tech companies, social media, uh, censoring people. I've been canceled before. It happens. Uh, Everyone should have a right to express themselves freely. But like I said, big tech has a monopoly on everything. And uh, to fight back against their control of the Internet, I use ExpressVPN. 
Ever wondered how free-to-access tech giants make all their money? Well, by tracking your searches, your video history, everything you click on by building a profile on you and then selling your sensitive data even without your permission. When you use ExpressVPN, use the app on your computer or your phone, the ExpressVPN app, the software hides your IP address from third parties. That makes your activity more difficult for companies to trace and sell advertisers, and it helps keep your online presence more anonymous, which is good. Uh, what's more, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your network data to protect you from eavesdroppers and cyber criminals. That's why ExpressVPN is rated number one by CNET, Wired, Tech Radar, and countless others. So let's stop allowing big tech to revoke our rights to free speech. Why not revoke their right to your data instead? Secure your internet with the VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash the operator. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash the operator. Expressvpn.com slash the operator to get three extra months free with my exclusive link. Expressvpn.com slash the operator. I had a fucking great time. I got another question for you, if you don't mind. Far away. No, I'm okay. Make, so, uh, make it easy. Uh, all right. The um, we did, I asked you about your biggest fear. Yeah. Uh, skill that you don't have. A skill that you I don't are have? that you don't have, but you are going to work towards acquiring. Um, you know what? That I think that should be um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Because I'm in a spot where there's a there's a there's a place right up the road here. I've already talked to the guy who runs it, and um, I, there's no excuse for me not to go back. I started off early, <clears throat> and again, getting into some probably regrets is that I stopped doing it. You know, I started back in like wait, 19- don't say regrets yet, because that's the other question ah, I have for you. Okay, but uh, yeah, that's something that I th- I think I should get back into because I had one of those experiences after doing it a few years and wrestling with guy or rolling with guys who didn't necessarily know what they're doing. It's like, I'm tired. I'm tired of getting my fingers broke. I'm tired of this. You know, when I, you know, a white belt should be rolling with a purple belt because he's not, the purple belt's not going to hurt him. (laughs) Yeah. Depending on the purple belt. Well, yeah. Try to find a good one, I guess. But yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the, yeah. I think that that would be good for me to get back into. Okay. That's a, that's a good one. Okay. Now like, give me a biggest regret, but professionally I have. Okay. I have a regret. It's a two part professionally and personally um let if me you don't see mind, uh, well i think it's i think i think the one regret i have that's both professionally and personally was i went over to um to my friend this is after the bin laden raid uh we're back in virginia beach and my friend robert j reeves invited me to his house and uh, I'm just sitting there bullshitting because that's a lot. He wasn't on. He was at Gold Squadron. And I was at Red Squadron. And that's a lot that being on that mission was a lot to deal with emotionally. So I went over there to see him. And he was always a guy that could talk well. And um, he was having a glass of red wine. And for some reason, I was not drinking at the time. And he said, do you want a glass of wine? I said, no, nah, that's good. I just, you know, I'm not drinking tonight. And um, then he went to Afghanistan and on August 6th. He was killed in the helicopter uh, extortion 17. And so my regret is I didn't have that glass of wine with him. That's yeah, I, that stands man. out. So that's both. Those both. fucking moments, brother, are like, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, I, I, this, that and the other. Oh, man, I've met right when you said that, it just brought me to a. Um, a crazy thing that just happened. My best friend as a child. Right. So my. My upbringing was 
pretty stressful. My my dad was an aggressive dude and didn't know how to express himself. Um, and my neighbor, John Bokikio, um, him and I were like best friends. We ride bikes every day. We'd hang out. I mean, and his father was even worse than my father. And, and so much so that he would like spend Christmas Eve at our house, like sleep over and shit. Like he was oh, wow. my best friend, you know? And um, we were going to do this screening. Um, and my girl goes, oh, you know who should, you should invite? Should uh, Because we'll be driving through there. She's like, you should invite John. And I was like, yeah, that's a fucking great idea. I'm going to, you know, I'll text him in the morning. That night she had said that um, he took his own life. Oh, my God. I should have texted him that fucking night. It's just one of those things you go, fuck, those moments. You know, you look back, you know that. And so I I respect that, man. um, That's That's like a glass of wine might have been, you know. Who knows? That's that's another thing, too. Like the littlest things in life um, can turn out to be something that you never intended, like the butterfly effect, something you did 20 years ago. Had I done something else, all this wouldn't have happened or would have happened. And you never oh, man. Like, know and how you how get it goes. in a whole spiritual like, yeah. like well, you know, it's that's the, the that's the framework of the fucking <laughs> matrix, man. But, it, so- but again, too, like with the send a text to a friend or give someone a call that like you just if it even if it flashes in your mind, oh, shit, I haven't texted this dude, this dude in a while. Let me just yeah. hit him up. You never know what 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 could change. It could change it. Man, I I do that all the time. I'll I'll just text people that I've made acquaintances with or, or friendships over the years, and just be like, "Yo, man, you know, happy Thanksgiving, happy this." Man, and that was another one too. Was uh, my uh, another friend? Man, I I don't want to get into that. But and at the end of this film, Warhorse, I you know, there's a dedication. The actual film and the idea and the stories for you know the children who suffer and bear oh, the yeah. uh, burden of war which is a brutal fucking thing. And every time that comes on, I'm like, Oh my God. Um, but I'm glad the, you brought very, that up. Cause I wasn't going to say that part. Cause the, the end, when it says that there are so many people that are so many children who were affected by war on both sides that it's bro, the dedication. And this them. is why, you know, like when I was asked, uh, you know, are you a fan of the military? Like I'm not a fan of war at all. Like, and, and this is a, the, the, I don't know if it's ironic, Rob, but you know, I train uh, nonstop for the worst um, for the worst situations. Like, what am I training for? You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. um, I think a, a really good explanation, right, is like, I don't want to ever. Someone said this to me one time, a white belt said to me, um, um man, you sound like you're just ready for a fight. You sound like you're like, like looking for it. I was like, honestly, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Like every fucking day, Rob, I go through life going, I hope I don't have to perform. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. This shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I do. I, yeah. I, I'm hoping I can get through my whole life and never have to protect my uh, family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I do too. Stuff, just, you know just I mean? uh, yeah. Um, I, cause like I said that, you know, when, before I went to war, I wanted to go to war and now that I'm done, I, I despise war. And I think I see it for what it is, uh, on both sides, like the people that, uh, I talked to a guy 
the other day who actually was in the first wave on dog green sector of Omaha Beach on D-Day. And to be able to talk to like the, I was starstruck talking to him. I and bet. just the way the, the way he said uh, the 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 difference. But we're, they're only the bad guys in name. Someone sent them there and they're just wearing the, the uniform. And because there's something like saying I'm a fan of the military, you don't know what it is. There's like the children that get affected. I remember a house I went into in Iraq at night and it turned out to be the wrong house. But I'm in there with muddy boots on this white carpet and this girl came out and I have daughters. And I remember looking at her. My first thought was, I understand why they hate us. And then what am I doing in this? What am I doing here? And I I wonder if like because that's got to be. Oh, your worst nightmare coming on your living room. There's some dude, big dude with body armor and a green face. Does she, did that bother her? What is, you know, this, oh, that's man. The, it's brutal. She, and was, is, she was affected. That's, that's why, you know, I made the film that I made was, and, and that's why the dedications there is like, to me, it's like, I look at war and that kind of thing. And the two things that in my experience, are the most tragic, right? Are the burdens bared by the children on yes. on all sides. And then the burdens bared by the warriors that are sent to fight them. Mm-hmm. This is a fucking brutal thing. It is. And and it's it angers me that we have let individuals that would never no go into the situations that they so callously send these beautiful young men and women into, you know, they make the decisions and then they get on TV and they talk about war. And then the, what pisses me off is they, they call these people war hawks. It's like, no, you're a pussy. You're not going, but you're you're fucking evil. You're evil (laughs) because you're, you're seeing the benefit. Um, in people's pockets from selling these wars to the world, you know, this is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and, there's no, there's no money ahead, in the, there's no money in the cure. There's money in, 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 uh, the assistance. So we can keep the budget going as long as there's a war or there's the threat of war and we can yeah. keep, cause the, the war is Rob, here's a question for you, did, right? Sure. Here's a question for you. In, just along, along the lines of that, yeah. right. Is there's a part of my brain that goes, fuck, man, do we maintain our first world status? Because we've allowed these people to go construct our economy on a fiat system that is a war-based economy, right? Mm-hmm. Do we maintain our first world status if we remove that? Like, is America America, right? Like, And, and everything changes, right? You could look back to pre-World War II, right? After we were... Uh, put in World War One, you know, even like the turn of that kind of the 18th, 19th hundreds, right? Is is that's the that's where everything changed in our country, right? And for a minute there after World War One, World War One, our society, the United States, was like, yeah, fuck that, we're not going to war. Um, mm-hmm. We don't give a shit what this guy's doing in Europe. It's not our fucking problem. And all of a sudden, we have a sneak attack now. Everybody wants to fucking go to war, you know. Um, funny how that works out um seems to it seems to do that you know what i mean um mm-hmm. and and at the end of the day you know i wonder rob i go as much as i fucking you know can't stand this shit like is that how we've maintained our status 
globally? Is that is that the only way, you know, that we can maintain being a first world country or? Well, I mean, we spend more than a, more than the uh, I, don't, I don't have the numbers, but like a lot of the top five countries don't spend oh, as yeah. much as we do on it. Combined, but then yeah. but then you look at the at the military's budget. They're the only ones they don't get audited and they can't account for whatever 40 45 percent of their budget yeah um but you know there's it's such a it's such a um it's a fine line for me because i know how many great men and women are in there but i also see the politics of everything that's happening and then sure. it's like you, t you talk about the great war which we didn't call world war one because we didn't know there'd be a world war ii but there's a right. great depression world war ii then we find ourselves in korea then we find ourselves in vietnam and it's always it comes down to uh stopping the spread of communism defending democracy but if it's you notice cyclical, yeah it's still like, like we went to fight in north korea there's still a north korea and a south korea we went to fight communism in vietnam there's communism there it's like, it's like it's, well it's like you know imagine right you you go hey uh tommy and timmy like here's these toys go break them and they break all the toys and then 20 years yeah, later they go right. oh uh tommy and timmy's kids hey you take these toys and you go break them over there you know what i mean and it's it's funny you know the people that sign these declarations of war i guarantee they wouldn't do it if it would hit their doorstep no no you know what i mean no. and that's like to me one of the things that i go and you said something which is fucking really important is like you cannot conflate the people that create wars and make wars with the men and women that have to go fight them yes. on their behalf that's Those that's what's two separate ahead. issues that's what's um important for veterans to know is regardless of why we went to iraq or why we stayed so long in afghanistan what's important is what did you do when you met the enemy all you fought the right way because you won and you defended the people next to you and don't 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 forget that because it does come to a point in a fight where it, it doesn't it doesn't matter why we're here or who i'm going into this house with my guys and that's what we're going to fight that's why that's why um warhorse one is so it's so important because that really that mission wouldn't affect the outcome of the withdrawal but it's that right there here's what i'm gonna do I, like first um um, I'm going to get to the crash out. I got to find my guys. Um, and even with the communication with the talk, as he's the guy saying, you must disengage, but privately is like, go get a master chief. Like that's, that's the, I, you know, I'm getting goosebumps now that, oh, bro, I mean, dude, I just, I fucking got him right when you said it. Bro. I don't, I'm not going to ruin it, but mm -hmm. Warhorse one, it starts with action off the bat. And like we talked about earlier, it's not it's I didn't know if it was going to be all Hollywoody kind of shit and blowing up, jumping out the glass because I, I I went in there skeptical. But sure, of course. But the, like I said, the gear is on point. The tactics are awesome. Everything from shooting semi-automatic to checking to I saw a point where in one of the scenes you did a combat reload with a pistol, meaning you took this mag out. There's still some in it. Put it back, grab a new one. So I know it's full, yeah. and, but I'm not shit canning this one like who now was like that's me bro that's what i fucking do that's like my <laughs> so... fucking training every day like when i like this is a strange thing dude like we were talking about the framework of the fucking matrix that like that mesh that you go wow how did i start there in california and then wind up here or you know like you like in montana wind up wherever mm -hmm. you are now um you're from montana right yes i am yeah okay so one fucking flip of the coin, man, and I'm a team guy. One flip of the coin, I'm a, you know, me and Harry Humphreys, funny that yeah. that guy comes out. We were in North Africa sitting there on set together, right? 
and him and I are just shooting the shit while, because I didn't really hang out with the actors. There's only a couple actors that I actually befriended and I'm still friends. I'm actually going to be at their house tonight. Um, but I hung out with the fucking 106 guys, the pilots. Mm -hmm. I hung out with the fucking advisors. Like I hung out with dudes that like I could relate to. Cause that's, yeah. I wasn't a Hollywood guy. I fucking did movies just because that's kind of what I did. Um, but one flip of the coin, man, I remember there was a recruiting office on Ventura Boulevard and I was having, I was going through a divorce at the time and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to go join because I wanted to be a fucking seal any yeah. given day, Rob. And there's only, I told you, I didn't have any friends, but there's two mm -hmm. guys that would go, oh yeah, Johnny's 100%. On any given day, you could have come to my home in Van Nuys and I'd be in the deep end of my pool with two 50 pound weights chains with um combination locks and in my jujitsu gi or like full fatigues or whatever doing underwater training or doing i i used to have a, like a cooking timer because it was the only thing i could hear after that long i'd set a, like a cooking timer for like 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it was and i would just do fucking water treads in my pool or swimming around the perimeter of my pool like pull-ups dips like man i that's what i was mm -hmm had I just made a different decision. And I remember I was at a restaurant called the good earth and it used to be on Van Nuys Boulevard, um, right before Laurel Canyon, I think. Um, and I was, and there was an Asian woman that was always this waitress that I would see when I would go eat my lunch. And I had a coconut. It was basically a milkshake smoothie. And I, and then remember there was a recruitment office right down the street. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go, you know? Because I had heard, I don't know who told me this, but they said you could join. I didn't want to join the Navy, to be honest with you. Because yeah. I was like, fuck, what if I don't make the fucking team? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. In the middle of <laughs> fucking nowhere. Oh, my God. So I was like, someone told me, you know, you could join the Army, right? Because at least if you fail in there, you can go infantry or you can do uh -huh. whatever, right? Um, I would go Army and then apply for BUDS or something, you know? Like, I heard that's... I got a contact while I was at that lunch, right? Going through divorce. Da, da, da. We have a meeting for you call, uh, for a thing called Redline at Universal Studios. And I was like, um, all right, I'll do that. Um, and then I'm going to go to Hollywood and get a tattoo right afterwards. And I went to Universal and it was for a thing called Redline. And uh, I read for it. And... Um, the part was called Leon. Yes. And, and it was for, actually, the, I think it was written for a young black kid, but I was a white kid going in and, and reading for it. And uh, it ended up becoming a film called Fast and the Furious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's how my life went, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but range. I mean, again, it, it would have been uh, completely different had you not gone to read, just gone to the recruiter. Man, I, you know, maybe, you know, if you ask me what my regret was, you know, you know, those moments of not texting my yeah. best friend as a kid, you know, that's like those moments. But like, there's a part of me that goes, man, I would have loved, I would have loved to face the struggle of buds. I would have fucking loved to just go, let's see if, let's see what happens. You know, I, I, I joke with my girl all the time, like, like, yeah, I would have been the best seal that ever lived, you know, that type of shit. <laughs> Which, you know, the thing is, if you're a fucking alpha, 
that should be your mentality is like, I'm going to be the fucking best guy here. I, they, they had a television show about Bud's classes. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Fucking great show, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. 234, bro. And um, there was a dude, and I forget his name. He was a short dude with a bald head. That's Travis Lively. Was it Travis? Dude, yeah. <laughs> best fucking attitude there. Dude, he was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was happy. And they're like, they're like, are you ready to fucking quit? And he's like, no, I'm ready to keep going. You know, like fucking yeah. great attitude. Fucking, I, I believe yeah. he. Yeah, he he's awesome. Buds and shit. Um, <laughs> shout out to that dude. Like what a fucking yeah, inspiration. That was awesome. I had a guy, uh, cause I was, I was young, um, 19 going through and there was a, an officer, uh, Tom Donovan, who was an ensign. I, I'm assuming he's an admiral now. And I hope I, he doesn't mind that I mention him, but I remember seeing him at the cage area and I'm talking like day two. And I, I went up to him and I said, I said, man, I can't imagine being scared and being an officer like you, because you, you have to like be in charge. And he goes, the fuck are you afraid of? I'm like, that's a good point. Dude. All right, let's do this. Dude. I would have fucking like, that's the, like, if there's not, I don't think it's a regret thing, but uh, like, I love it. I love the struggle. I mean, dude, I climb up to 11,000 feet all the time with like, I go, how do I make my pack a little bit heavier and make it, make it worse? Like I want to make my training worse. Like you can ask, there's only a handful of guys that I actually teach. And man, I make that room hot as fuck. I make it (laughs) unbearable. And, and I always tell my guys, I go, the worse we make our training, Oh yeah. The easier it's going to be when you have to perform. So that's always kind of been my. No, that's the truth. The the way we said it is uh, the more you're sweating in training, the less you bleed in combat. And that's exactly right. But we, I mean, the training is important when, when we, not to brag, but when we first first started fighting in Iraq, we as SEAL team six, I'd only seen it on TV. And I'm like, this is the most horrific, scary, whatever. When we went there and we started fighting, we're fighting every night. It's like, are we in the wrong place? Cause or are they just that bad or or is our training paying off because we were well, just that's my it. dude that's the same thing as like my guys when when we have people from other uh jujitsu schools come visit they get smashed by guys that have belts <laughs> that are lower than them mm-hmm. and and the comment is always holy shit the fucking pressure here is unreal wow and and i come from the old school jujitsu shit like from um, Chris Lissandro from uh, John Jack Machado, Hanato Magna, like, like these dudes, like this was the old school, like lock the fucking door. Cause we're going to fucking beat the fuck out of this asshole in our jujitsu <laughs> club that came to challenge us and shit. Like the old challenge days I started yeah. like in the wild west of jujitsu. Like that's my mentality of, of you make the training miserable and, mm-hmm. and it makes you better. And then when you perform, it's fucking feels easy. Like, yeah. It, yeah. You know, and um, and so back to uh, and I totally went off on a tangent. I that's all good. I and we knew this would happen. Yeah, fucking. But the training for Warhorse, like to me, it's like, dude, that's what I do. Like those reloads, all of that. Um, oh, they were legit. And all of that, like yeah. all the trigger stuff, like none of those guns were on full automatic. Like that's just that's just me, you know, doing what yeah. I do to be as fast and as accurate. And that's really the juggle, right? In reality, in movies, it doesn't matter. Because you're not fucking really have any projectiles to shoot anything. You just mm-hmm. shoot at something, right? It's all blank fire. But in reality, firearms training, it's all the the ba- balance and the juggle of 
speed and accuracy. Mm -hmm. Like how fast mm -hmm. can you be and how accurate can you be? Because yeah. I don't care how fast you are. If you're not accuracy. hitting what you need to hit, it doesn't fucking matter. So um, you're, you're, you're wasting rounds. You know, what was, it was awesome in that movie too is um the snaps and the zings of, no, of let me tell uh, you missing a ricochet I, i'm stopping you right there uh -huh. four weeks an additional four weeks on top of every fucking thing that i did for the movie mm -hmm. right the foley artist was hired by my co-director producer um because he was supposed to work on that but he he he, he left while i was still filming the movie to go do two other movies um he hired a guy the guy sent everything and he's a great really nice guy and he did a great job of delivering this stuff every gun was an mp5 every gun mm -hmm. was an mp5 you know right i spent four weeks re-recording all the firearms in the film really remixing and basically redoing for four weeks the entire fo foley and sound design of the movie wow because i wanted it to fucking sound and feel real for the audience and i have this great studio at my place and i just i got basically i gave myself fucking tinnitus from from listening because i wanted that feeling and, and i'll never forget rob fucking um the night we screened it in austin texas all the fucking former seal dudes were like yes dude that's what it sounds like how the fuck yes. did you do yeah. that that was, was my like, yep like from as much time training and i'll be honest i haven't had a lot of time downrange of fire fortunately thank yeah. goodness i'd say but i know what that's supposed supposed to sound like so i mm -hmm. wanted to you know i wanted to immerse that audience yeah. Right, because a lot of times Hollywood dude is like, and movie makers in general, they glorify violence. They want to make it prettier than it really is. And that my goal was like, as a human being and a filmmaker, I'm like, no, I want to show you the. It's not supposed to sound pretty. It's not mm -hmm. supposed to look pretty. It's supposed to be, uh, gruesome and brutal, and I want people when they experience that film to walk out going this sucks yeah. war sucks yeah. i don't want to fucking ever have to deal with that and then look at their children and go man i would never want them to have to fucking deal with that mm -hmm. you know what i mean so totally but i'm yeah. glad you appreciated because well, well, in my experience in, in my experience in in fighting in the in the mountains the the cracks are not scary because they miss, but it's the zings you hear, the ricochets. And there was that in there. And the part that really got me was you, you panned out where you, you can't see the fight going on, but you can hear it in the valley. That's mm. another one that people don't understand. Like there's something going on now. It's it's more of an echo. It's more the acoustics of there's a fight going on. And you can actually in that part, great job because you can hear the different guns like and that that's what when we would hear the rangers going hot with the 240 as opposed to one of the team guys with with uh with a, a 416 and a, a suppressor it was just and i'm starting to talk fast right now because i'm getting in the moment but that was just, awesome. that was kick that was kick ass and uh the tactics like i said were great because it's 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 shoot and move you know run cover your back um and what you did well that a lot of people don't know about I, i'm not going to ruin the movie um but the uh, the Konar River. A lot of people 
don't know there's a big ass river in the Konar province. It goes right around. It goes comes around Pesh River Valley down Asadabad, Jalalabad. 100%. Big ass river. Big ass river. And uh, now you you did a stunt in there where you you you're the whole uh, I'm a frogman you can't drown me part. Yeah. How was that like? Because you're doing your your stunts. How how was that scene? Well, two things. One, um, the peel. I'm a fucking, I know, you know, I wanted to showcase the peel, even though it's one dude, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah, the I shoot and move stuff. That's exactly. So, yeah. Um, even though he doesn't have his team with him, I still wanted to showcase that kind of, you don't just fucking flat out run. You have no. to present an offensive, um, you know, um, presentation yes. to the enemy. That way, you know, if someone's shooting at you, you're hiding behind something, right? Um, you're going to you're going to like take a period of time when you're like is he still there is he still going to shoot you know that type of thing and so yep. if you're if you're if you're working the peel and you're solo um just by using that tactic mm-hmm. you could provide yourself time and that's really what fighting is is a measure of time that's the only advantage that you would have in combat um, being pursued is they don't know when you're going to stop and engage. 100%. And that was in there. And by the way, switching um, from left to right on your, with your rifle. Yeah. That's yeah. just good. That's just good shit right there. Fucking um, the, okay. The so only... let me, so stunt. So yeah, the peel, I fucking did that. Um, and I love, this is a shout out to Pat Mac. Um, he goes, uh, I'm going to totally butcher it. So I'm sorry, Pat. Um, he goes, um, what's it called? Your strong side and your weak side. I'm yes. like, no, I don't have a fucking weak side. It's my strong <laughs> side and my other strong side, you know? Um, I might have butchered that, Pat. I'm, I apologize. That's good. Uh, but um, yeah, to me, it's like one of those things. If you're hiding behind, you know, some sort of cover, um, if you're popping out on the right side, and there's another mm-hmm. Pat Mac thing, shout out to Pat, is he says, don't pop out in the same fucking place because exactly. they're going to know you're there. Exactly. So it's, pop out here, switch to this side, pop out here, that kind of stuff. So that's all stuff that I like no, that in was, my training, that, like when I do vehicle training and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, Go to a different area because they're going to be aiming where you just came from. And absolutely. that was in, in the, yeah. in the urban environment later in the movie, that was ha- a lot of that happened. And it was just, it was, it was just solid. Like I'm actually looking forward to see who is going to criticize and, and why, because well, I, fuck I mean, them, like I, number one. I went, I went in as a skeptic. I just want to know what these guys are saying. Like the only sure. The only issue I had is I Go ahead. I wouldn't recommend filling up a bottle out of the Konar River. Oh, at dude, that point, listen, listen, just- <laughs> listen. I wanted to put a fucking scene in there where Mirko is shitting his brain. Yeah, that's out. what I was going to say. You might have to shit your way to say. Trust me, dude. Well, you know, my thought, dude, I love that you fucking said that, Rob, is my thought was, right? What else are you going to fucking do, man? Do you see what this guy just went through? Like, what are you, where are you going to drink? You, you might know? have to. Yeah. That might be a shit pit or a shit river from some village up the, up the mm-hmm. way, no. but the dude's got to fucking hydrate. And so I was like, fuck it. He's hydrated. Yeah. And that, yeah. and this is why I made it where he offers it to the little girl. And she's like, yes, nah. that's right. I, I remember that, <laughs> you know, uh, because she's living there. It's like, she, like she maybe knows. she kind of knows what the fucking deal is. Right. Um, but so, okay. So back to, I love that. And I, and I, I am so appreciative um, sorry, I butchered, butchered that word, but appreciative of the fact that I do it in my real life. 
I put it on film so that dudes like you that do that in real life can go, fuck yeah, that's that's yeah. the shit. You know, that's and hey, you're wearing the fucking hat. That's how you operate. Like that's as right. an that's operator, right. yep. like these are the things. And there's a lot of little things. Like, so here's a great thing. And then I want to talk about the river too, man. Um, is there's a great shot where he's being chased and he peels off and he gets behind this one thing and he's waiting behind this cover, like, all right, come on, fucker, come on, fucker. Um, and I remember the first shot we did of it. I peel off two rounds, pop, pop, like that. And the actual, the, the firearm I'm using the film malfunctions. And um, and it was a gas issue because of the fake suppressor and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I did the same motherfucking ma- manual of arms malfunction drill that I would do mm-hmm. any other fucking day of the week while I'm yeah. on range. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So fucking mag, check, back in, and I'm back on in those next two rounds fire. That whole fucking process is the way I do it. And the way yeah. I would do it in reality, if I was running an M4 and I remember it was funny. I, when I originally shared um, my, the cut of the film with my producer, co-director, he goes, um, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but he, he goes, he watched a film and goes, man, there's a lot of gun malfunctions in the movie. Yes. And he goes, you know, um, Chris from Triarch, you know, he was really cool about kind of making the guns for the movie and all this kind of stuff. And I go, well, then Chris from Triarch would fucking appreciate me yeah, leave all of those moments in there for two reasons. Number one, if you've ever run a gassed fucking AR with a fucking suppressor, those motherfucking things go down. Again. Number one. Uh, number two, to show an operator work through those malfunctions as um as clearly and as calmly as I try to work through those, even when I mortared the gun when it had a mm-hmm. double feed, if you've noticed that. I I just I watched that today. So Chris would appreciate the fact that this motherfucker in this situation, in the middle of gunfights, works for, through those malfunctions and gets the gun back up online and yep. it gets mm-hmm. back online. Like that's the fucking real shit. It is. And I said, I, I told him, I said, hey, you could t- if Chris has a problem, he can call me because <laughs> I'll talk to him. And um, because I think that, you know, I think that's that's what you want to show the world, man. Like, I, I don't know about you, Rob, but how many times have your gun uh, weapon system malfunction on you and you have to work through it? You got it. Yeah, you got to get it. I had a I had a um, I actually stopped carrying in the mountains a pistol and I, I would carry a rapid rod. So because I said, if I if my primary goes down I, in a in a mountain, I'm not going to be useful with this. I need to get my gun back up. Right. And I actually I got in a gunfight. I was actually with Gold Squadron where I fell in the snow and uh, I'd already shot. So my barrel was hot. The 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 uh, plastic was off filled with snow. So if I take a shot now, it's going to blow up. So I have, to, I have to take it. it. I have to take this damn thing apart at night. In as the other guys are shooting it out, pull the Holy rod out, shit. get your gun running. And that's that's so real as opposed to the the Hollywood fully automatic, not one mag change bullshit like this. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that is a gunfight because Murphy's law says that like you, you know friendly fire isn't, and your gun is will not work when you need it. So get it working, and that's it's brilliant. That's I got to get in the fight. Yeah, and to me, I love that Murphy's law, brother. 
like what can go wrong is going to go not will go wrong is going to fucking go Mm -hmm. wrong so it's all preparation it's all preparation you know um and yeah man i you know uh so to the river so okay that's a gun stuff like fucking awesome man i'm glad you glad you like that a lot of time and effort into that it was worth it um the river so when i was writing the script one of the things that i i lean on is classical storytelling like from our western culture you know homer and the iliad and the odyssey like this is where these are the origins you know and um one of the things i wanted to um to touch on in that moment right and i don't want to give up spoilers or anything but Mm -hmm. there's a moment where master chief mirko is in a situation where he's come to the end of the road and he looks over the cliff and it's Mm. the fucking river um he sees that as a control situation he goes he looks at that and he looks back up he's got soldiers incoming And he looks back down at the river and he goes, no, fuck that. Because he'll take control. He'd rather take it into his own hands, you know? Because I don't know about you, but no, that's that's my life, like it's on on me. I'd rather I'd rather be the one that fucking is on the wheel, you know what I mean? So he goes and he starts fighting, and then he realizes, fuck, I'm in the inferior position. I could sit here and waste all my fucking ammo. Right. And more guys are going to fucking show up when they hear this shit going down. Or I can put it into the God's hands, into the universe's hands and take a leap of faith. And that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And when I was writing the story, I put it specifically in Kunar because of the river, because that's where I was like, man, there's a huge fucking river there. I'm going to fucking... I'm going to put that sequence where he has to jump off this cliff as a leap of faith. And, um, and I remember when I wrote it in there, uh, my producer co-director was like, well, Johnny, how are you going to fucking shoot this? Like, you know, are you going to get stuntmen? Are you going to do it? I go, no, man, I'm just going to fucking jump off the cliff and I'm going to go into this river. And there's this portion of the river that is fucking gnarly. And this river, mind you, Rob, kills like five or six people every mm-hmm. year, like in reality. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to fucking do it and it's going to be awesome. And so in the planning, it was like originally it was like, all right, well, then maybe we'll put um, my co-director in a boat in front of me. You know what I mean? Like going down the river in a boat and he can film it. And after some discussions, it was like, now it's too dangerous for him to be going backwards in a boat and all this kind of stuff with a cameraman. So I was like, fuck it. I'll do it myself. You yeah. Know? Uh, and then I asked three or four of my friends, Hey dude, you, um, I got this thing. I'm filming this movie. Do you want to go down this river with me and film me in the river? And they were like, fuck no, dude, the people die in that fucking river every uh, year. No, uh-huh. you know? And I called one dude that I thought about. My buddy, Blake, shout out, Blake. Love you, dude. Uh, I said, listen, this is going to sound crazy, but do you want to go jump in the river and film me? You'll be going backwards with a camera and film me going down the river. And he goes, well, you mean in that part of the river that like kills people every year? And I go, yeah, right there. And he's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go do it. That's what I'm talking about. 
And uh, it was fucking intense. The most physically intense thing I ever experienced because when we got in the river, you're dealing with temperature stuff, which wasn't the tough part. It's actually kind of nice. I do cold water stuff all the time. Um, but I was wearing full costume. So I got all mm -hmm. the magazines, the plate mm -hmm. carrier, the pants, the Solomons, the fucking gloves. The rifle I had was actually one of the stunt rifles, but it was actually the heaviest airsoft rifle because it was the one in the river I was using. But it was heavy as fuck, heavier than all the other rifles, including the, the real one. And um, these plates that I had in the plate carrier were these fake plates that had holes in them. Like the top and the bottom, I think, had a hole. And within like the first 10, 20 seconds of me being in the water, dude, they started to fill up with water. Filling up. Mm -hmm. And so that entire sequence of me going down the river is me fighting to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. My legs have never fucking worked so hard in my fucking life. Uh, by the end of this river run, I could barely get myself outside to the bank of the river because the river flows, you know, and it wants to mm -hmm. just keep carrying you all the way down the river. So I'm just fucking trying to swim out. And my buddy Blake, he had like a life vest on and like little booties and shit, you know, flipper booties and stuff. And so he had to help grab me and pull me back in because I'm sitting there with this fucking rifle trying to one arm get back up to, to the edge where the rocks were. It was fucking awesome. It was well, awesome. I mean, you can, you can tell awesome. in, the, in the scene that you were exhausted. And that's that's like, that's not acting right now. Yeah, most of, most of the movie is, you know, the thing is about acting, Robin, one of these days I, I got to pull you in a movie at some point. Let's but um acting sorry and if you hear some crazy shit it's probably these people in this hotel no um, worries you don't have to act you just where you are in that moment just be mm -hmm. you know um and make it real and i have a tendency to just do real shit so it worked out dude like it was intense but it was like one of the greatest experiences of my life because you face the unknown. What happens, Rob, right? I'm shooting a movie and I drown. Who's going to rescue me? My guy, Blake, was already fucking like 20 feet yeah, in front he's of gone. Me going down the river. Mm -hmm. He's gone. Who's coming in for me? The My co-director? Fuck no, no one's coming in. You got to get No one's coming now. in. That's You're me. Doing this, yeah. mm -hmm. That's me. And I have a family. And someone afterwards, I think one of the crew members like, dude, well, what happened if something happened to you? And I said, you know what? I would be comfortable with my kids growing up, knowing the situation and going, my dad was a legend. He, yeah, no shit. That motherfucker risked everything for what he does with his life. Just as if something happened to you, man, on the field, yeah. you know, your family. Yeah. They would go, man, my dad was a fucking legend. He he put it all on the line and risked it, you know? Yeah. And I think I've, more people that live, if we had more people that lived like that, we might have a fucking better world. 
Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, definitely would. Instead of being the guy that get trigger warnings in the uh, in the in the auditorium or whatever, right. I, I I had I've had moments where I had to say to myself that if you ever want to see your kids again, you got to do this right now. This this needs to happen. This or is it? Or this is it? Yeah, seriously. And be the yeah. example. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that I did it and survived it and went through it. You know, like now my kids will grow up going, "My dad's a fucking legend." You yeah. see that motherfucker in there? That ain't a stunt yeah. man. That ain't a stunt man who's got like all the fucking insurance and pay and all that shit. That's my dad. And that motherfucker's a legend. You know, to me, man, Rob, we get this, we get such a limited window here. Mm -hmm. And you know how many people wake up every fucking day desiring and dreaming about doing things that will never fucking realize them. Brother, I will not waste this gift, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it is. It is, it is a gift too. And every, uh, especially after some, well, my experience is every, every day you put both feet on the ground is it's a blessing. It's a, it's a, today's, today's a new one. That's awesome. Fuck man. And you know, I'll tell you what, man, I'm absolutely blessed. And what a pleasure it is that you and I get to share even just this moment. You know, like if you think about the timeline of this planet and our species, you know, you and I are, we're occupying the same moment here and it's mm-hmm. a fucking beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm glad that you've experienced those things and made it out the other side. Cause there's a lot of brothers out there that didn't. Oh yeah, definitely. That De- definitely uh, is too. And that message too, like you're saying to get it to, if someone's listening to this right now, that that's having a tough time, like, you know. You're gonna get through it. Time, time, time can heal. You, you've been through worse, and uh, you're gonna have ups and downs. Some, you know, when you're when you're down, just you know, t- call someone who's up. You know, and the other thing too is is in regards to the because I man, I, I've been talking to you the whole time, and I forget that was good. Even listen to this shit. So <laughs> anybody listening to me out there, like, uh, man, I don't have a filter, brother. I just fucking. No, it's good. Like we even said at the, at the beginning, it's like we have we have some questions, but it's going to go way off because that's just yeah. that's how it's And to the people out there, man, there's a good thing like you're saying about when you're up. Remember something, those times when you step in shit, right? You may, why is this fucking happen to me or this or that and the other? Enjoy that motherfucking moment. Yeah. It's terrible and as tragic or brutal or depressing or whatever it might be fucking enjoy that mm-hmm. live through that that struggle that brutality it will make you stronger it'll make you more committed and dedicated to living a life worth living you know um there's a there's a great lyric um i think it's uh josh homie from from Queens of the Stone Age, mm-hmm. where it's, um, I want something to die for, to make it beautiful to live or something like that. Like, I think there's, I might've butchered that, but no, I think there's something to that, man. Like so many people are going to waste this life, Rob, and you haven't so far. <laughs> I haven't so far, yeah, you true. know, and yeah. I hope you and I can tacitly agree that we're going to keep, Keep making the best out of this motherfucker. Oh yeah, you know, hundred percent. I agree with you too. Yeah, it's the whole uh, adversity thing too. You don't, you don't, you don't learn from like a sheltered life. And uh, people who are successful, 
didn't get successful the first day. You know, you're, you're, you're learning from your hardships. You're learning from, 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 it's okay to fail. You don't need to quit, but it's okay to fail. It's going to be learned. What's the I whole tell my, dude, I tell my guys all the time, brother, I go, I would rather see you fail trying mm -hmm. than quit. Yeah. True. True. Because this is like, and I, you know, my family's the same. We all have, we live by and die by this ethos, you know, and not many people are committed to that. You know, that it, especially man from my business, Hollywood, bro, it's all, it's called show business for a reason. They're fucking BSing everybody. Even when people are being nice to people, like that's why I didn't understand. Like I couldn't survive. It's not that I couldn't survive it, but I couldn't happily navigate existing in that world. That's why I make movies on my own is because they're fucking full of shit and they will lie to your face and talk shit about you. And then when you show up, they'll smile and hug you. Man, I can't live like that. Like, if I like you, Rob, I'm like this. You know, when I see you, you get a big-ass <laughs> hug and a kiss. And mm -hmm. it's like, yo, man, I love you, dude. I'm so glad we're killing it. Mm -hmm. If I don't like you, you fucking know it. Because I'm not here going to... I'm not going to bullshit. I don't that, have time for that. We, I get this window, wrong. man. I'm not going to fucking waste that little bit of my life there's, pretending I like a motherfucker when I don't. What's the point? You Nothing wrong I mean? with telling the truth. The, if, the nice thing about the truth is you don't need to remember all the bullshit you said. Yeah, there's a great quote about the truth, man, that I heard the other day that I thought, man, that's fucking beautiful. I got to remember that, and I haven't fucking remembered it because I'm <laughs> doing other shit. But, man, it's, of a, course you're busy. it's like the, the truth is like the beauty is really in the truth. I did. Maybe you said something like that. Something about the truth. Because I was watching something that you were doing the other day. Because Possibly. Yeah, I just... Man, uh, you know, it's, Didn't it's you a say lot, something just recently about the fucking truth? I, think, I don't know. I think I've said it before. Just it's easier. It's easy to remember the truth. And and well, and again, to yeah. go, go, going back to uh, like talking shit. There's nothing wrong. Also, with just taking the high road. Fine. How how's this guy? Best I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, hundred <100%. laughs> percent. Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. you know. And the other thing, right? Like, if you and I were going to have a conversation, you watched the film I made, and you, uh, man, you know what? I think it's cool. I'm down to have a conversation with you. I don't like your fucking movie. I didn't think it was well done. It's a piece of shit. Like, honestly, it doesn't make me go, man, this guy's a dick. I, like I said, when we started, man, I don't fucking care what people think about what I do. You know, like no. to me, the only guy really at the end of the day, and there's actually three other people and I, but the only guy I'm trying to oppress is me mm -hmm. because it's, you know, like when I make music, it's for me. I listen to my own music. When I made this film, it was for me. You know, like if other people like it, it's serendipitous at best. It's a fucking accident. And if you dig it, man, if you were sitting oh, I there, yeah. I'm not like I sit there and I watch that and I'm fucking, I got tears in my eyes and I'm going, what the fuck, man? Movies don't like there's maybe, I think the only movie I ever shed a tear to was Black Hawk Down. Mm -hmm. And it was the night of the premiere where we got fucking all these fucking former military there watching this that were there you know in 93 yeah and um man i shed a tear because it was fucking emotional and oh yeah De oh definitely was like i said people joined because of it and and the the same people that like black hawk down i mean th th i'm serious i wanted to go into warhorse and not like it because i was just thinking you know i mike sours my buddy's on it so maybe it's not yeah. a high-end move i tell you what and i'm not i'm not bullshit accuracy from the beginning to the end even down to the 
Uh, well, because it was so interesting. You said there was something in there where it's, are you the good guys? And it's like, well, the people who kill innocents are the bad guys. So I'm Brother, the good guy. This and is and that, that could be, it, it's like, it's not, it's not, it could be either one of us. And then, well, you know, you, should, you know, you should, then you should show the brutality of, of you got like the Taliban with the, uh, the mascara, but then you got the dudes from Syria who are straight up ISIS. And it's like, th there's different shit going on, but you can tell just because you're from Afghanistan, you're not a bad guy, but you're killing innocents. You're a bad guy. That must make me the good guy. It's just a, it, it broadens everything. It's, it was, a, I took that out of it for sure. I'm, I'm glad. So as a writer, right. And not just as a writer, but as a human being, and more importantly, as an American for the last 20 years, this war that's been waged on several fronts, right? Mm -hmm. The the GWAT. So as an American civilian, 20 years, every time it was like Muslims or yeah. Middle East or whatever the fuck, like as a human being and an American, and then as a writer, I was like, how do I express how I feel mm -hmm. and how all of my dudes that I'm bros with that have been in this war feel? And what is right? As a filmmaker, Rob, I feel the obligation because films are the modern cave paintings. It's how we teach the next generation. That's very true. Mm -hmm. That's what cave paintings were. It was like, let's teach our kids like what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. in the cave, it's like, oh, that's that's Uncle fucking Booba. And he went out over the mountains and he killed this fucking buffalo and he came back and he was attacked by this tribe, you know? But he saved the day and that's why our clan is still alive type shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So- I feel the obligation as a filmmaker, like a lot of these movies that that have war as the backdrop, either they presented in a one way or the other, right? And I remember somebody said something like, I wonder what this movie's gonna be. Just like you, skeptical. Like, huh? Mm -hmm. Is this a is this the Hollywood like like the Hollywood version of this movie would have been Michael Fassbender? Um leaves the SEAL teams while he's there in Afghanistan, joins the Taliban and tries to kill as many innocent people as possible. Like Hollywood's like, yes, bravo. That's so fucking brave, you know? Or it's the other way around where it's just, you know, like glorified whatever, right? For me, I was like, how do I explain the way I feel about this shit? Yeah way my boys do because a lot of dudes that i know right man i watch i don't know about you i watch the twin towers fall on fucking television i was watching it while it happened my buddy jason shout out jason jason fry called me up and he goes dude you got to turn your fucking tv on right now yeah. mm -hmm. and i turned that fucking tv on dude and i was like oh my god and dude by the way probably like um the last whatever months i was um in north africa uh, cause I got back, I think August of 21, uh, uh, uh 2001. Yeah. Um, from right Africa before after it. shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh my fucking God. Like I just went and shot a fucking war movie and now this is happening, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was a very strange, surreal situation. Um, but I remember what I felt and all, a lot of people around me was like these motherfuckers, right? Yes. We didn't know yeah. that it was like, 
what 16 saudi fucking nationals like it was all like george bush going it's iraq it's these people yeah. it's, uh-huh. you know it's the big charade you know and um so after 20 years brother i was like how do you and then my buddies that have gotten back fighting that war go man i'll tell you what and i'm not going to name their names but like in in confidence and sitting with them in private it's like yeah man like as they're talking to me they're like yeah, it's fucked up. Sometimes I just go, we're the bad guys. And I'm going, fuck, dude, that's fucking brutal. Because these are my best friends. And I'm like, that's a tough thing for them yeah. to have to digest, yeah. you know, and work through. I, I don't know if you feel. No, I felt the same way. When when you first go there, you, you need to realize where you're going in the culture. Can you, I mean, coming in looking like a damn stormtrooper with a, the hat and the, the Oakleys and the body armor to someone who who's still living like they did in the 12th century, you're yeah. going to look like an occupier. They didn't even know. There were people that thought we were Russians. There were people that thought 9-11 was a response for our invading Afghanistan. And then on our side, it's like people in charge. I've heard of groups that are, they were going to uh, Afghanistan and the, it was on Afghanistan, the brief. And they said, sir, we actually got switched. We're going to Iraq now. And the guy briefing goes, I- Iraq, Afghanistan, what's the difference? It's like, there's a huge fucking difference, dude. Fucking huge difference. And, and so, but again, too, the, just the way you said, whoever's killing the innocents is the bad guy. So that well, might I word make it. So guy. Rob, listen, this is how I wrote it. This is how I worded it, right? Because mm-hmm. the little girl her piece of dialogue was what I think the world was fucking asking. Right. Yeah. Is Mirko says to the little girl, um, Hey, I'm the good guys. Those guys that killed your family. Those are the bad guys. And she says, why? Cause they're Muslim. Yes. That's exactly right. right. Because that's what I fucking heard for 20 years, bro. And Mirko thinks about it and he's taken back for a second mm-hmm. about it, you know? And Mirko has my mentality, which is it doesn't matter what they believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're intentionally killing innocent people, yes, then you're the bad guys. Yeah, that and was so brother, well put to that. I, I I butchered it for you, but I did write. Yeah, no, no, but notes. it was it was important that in the writing that I put, if you're intentionally killing innocent people, yes. because mm-hmm. listen, Rob, that fucking drops a huge w- weight on a lot of people's yes, shoulders out there, you know, mm-hmm. on every side. And at the end of the day, you know, to me, like, I don't want to be one of them guys making a a film and trying to beat people over the head with my moral of the story, you know? But I want to express that. I want to express that on behalf of myself and like everybody else that's been dealing with that war and also my best friends that have went and fought that fucking war and hold that shit, you know? Oh, I that's do know because... Fun- that's gonna. That's a. That's a, a relief to hear that, um, and that's just intentionally killing innocent people. And and even the like again, the humanity is like, what do they see us as? Because most people are just trying to get on with their life, uh, and that's 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 the way a lot of places are. And it's just, uh, and it was. I mean, because you were able to show the brutality of the bad guys, and 
Um, you know, Hollywood's not going to like this movie because there there's real violence and sure. it's really fast. It's not a, it's not a, you know, get shot and doing the whole thing and fall out the damn. No, it's like the, how fast it is. Um, and it, it's I mean, that part, too, is 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 accurate just with the, the up close, everything from the long shots to the uh, the close quarter shit to the hand to hand. I'm not going to give away. There's one scene I want to talk about, but I was I want people okay, to yeah, watch yeah. it and yeah. they'll, they'll I don't want to bring it up, but um sort of separated from your gun. And there's a scene, if, if you love action movies, you got to watch the movie for this scene. And when you watch it, you'll know what I mean. And I, I think, you know, it's a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin it because I, don't, I want people to check it out. But uh, yeah, I mean, up until, yeah. um, and again, I don't want to give away the ending, but um, the tactics, the, the, the brutality, but the innocence, um, Athena Derner, Ugh. I, 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 Again, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, okay, what is this going to be about? Just a way- she's good. She's got a future in front of her. Well, you know, if she wants to do that, she could do anything. Just yeah. you know, um, I think it was like you know this moment that her and I connected, um, where I was like, wow, she could, she could fucking, she could have that you know like when i when i you know in comparison when i was listening to that history show about the snipers Mm -hmm. and my brain went i could do that i could i could show that to the world immortalize randy or gary or whoever these snipers were at the time i could immortalize that for the world for them to go wow i and that's a strange thing but it was the same thing with athena where i was like she could embody that for the world. Like maybe, you know, I have no grandiose, um, you know, preconception that I'm going to fucking change the world, Rob, you know? Um, But maybe, right. People watch this film and they go, wow, kids, kids lives are fucking ruined by war. Yes. You know? Yeah. And not in like the CNN way where we're going to, manufacture some bullshit to say one side's the good guy and one side's the bad guy Mm -hmm. you know but in the way that like what are we doing to our fucking species by going to war Mm -hmm. against each other you know Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day i guarantee you man you know whatever country it is country x country y whatever the people there don't fucking give a shit that's very true they don't give a shit and they don't want anybody fucking kicking their doors and coming in with no. fucking night vision. I mean, I always, you know, um, like as a, as a objective viewer of it, I go, let me tell you something. If somebody with night vision and fucking guns and shit from somewhere else that wasn't mm-hmm. kicked my fucking door at fucking four in the morning with my kids in the house, bro, you got a whole other war on your fucking hands. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's and it isn't that isn't like me playing fucking tough guy. That's a like an instinctual primal mode that I have as an individual that I would go, yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, we're all dying or somebody's fucking dying because that's that. That that threshold's crossed and I'm sure like for you to be on that side of it you're going fuck man dealing with that and it's your job and you've been ordered to do it because that's part of the program of d- doing this shit and it's like the two the two sides to that coin like 
you, who who Rob was 27 and I don't know how old yeah, you are I'm now. I'm 47 now, yeah. Okay. 20 years 47. Later. The two different versions of that, mm-hmm. you know? Way different. Totally. And again, if something with someone, because I mentioned going in the wrong house, even if you're a guy with his family and it's the wrong house, you might have just made another insurgent right there. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I'm, I'm pissed. I'm pissed at that point. I'm oh, 100%. Go so, we made yeah, more fucking enemies by doing what we do mm-hmm. to find enemies. You know, it's mm-hmm. fucking crazy. But I didn't, sorry, I tangented. No, no. But Athena just, Derner just, is a fucking legend. This little she was, girl, She dude. was able to, it wasn't just what the kids go through. You could see in her eyes the innocence of, of it's not just the children. It's just the innocence of I'm what, what am, why am I here? Just innocence period. Yeah. You know, like this is, and really the moral of the film, right. Is a double-sided is that there are people out there like yourself in that line of work that still have the courage and the bravery to risk everything to protect innocent life. Like at the end of the day, right. America is usually drawn into war, A, by a sneak attack, just so happens, on many different occasions, right? And usually cyclical. It's kind of interesting. Wondering when the next one's going to be. And second, it's the, the mustering of the patriotic, um, protection of the moral constitute of why we'd go to war you know what i mean like you can't just be like hey rob pick up that gun because we don't fucking like those dudes Mm -hmm. that's a fucking you know that's some mental gymnastics for anybody that has like a moral code you know what i mean yeah i mean you know what i'm saying yeah, I do too. And and we're I as what I've seen as Americans is we try to be the good guys. I don't, you know, we're not going there to intentionally we're murder presented. anyone. Yeah. But, we're but presented I mean, we, as the we good have guys, we right? have the uh yeah. But you know, it's it's the whole goes back to who's sending us and why. It's like we came here with good intentions, but what's what's that person in the house down the street thinking? So it's, of it's, course. Uh, and and she, you know, the thing about the film is she represents the innocence. Yep. She's done she's not on anybody's side. She's just a five-year-old girl and trapped yeah. in that situation. And I and I felt like as a storyteller, I'm like, that's how I can show the world the message is like, there's a dude, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but Miracle one at one point he's asked, or or she compares him to an angel. Yes, I remember that part. And Mirko kind of laughs at it. Mm-hmm. And dryly responds in the reality of he knows he's not an angel. Mm-hmm. He he knows that he's done questionable things in his his line of you work. You can see, you can see that at that moment. It's like this the the shit that I've done. Yeah, and I think I think that you know I know uh, my good friends have dealt with stuff like that, and I wanted them to be able to have something you know like to watch and. And Athena just had this magical quality, man, where it was like, yep. it's real for her. It's real for her. Like when we were doing a scene together. So there's one scene and I don't want to spoil it. Sure. It's called, it's called the bubble gum scene where Miracle yes. gives her some gum. I remember that. And you know, what's funny about that is like, the reason why I wrote it like that was because when I was in North Africa, all the little poor kids and stuff, they wanted gum. Yes, they did. Or money. 
money or gum. And so I would always like pack my pockets full of gum and shit. So when we go to set and the little kids would come around, I'd always like, they, they go five dirham, five dirham, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, whatever the money in Morocco dirham. Um, and I would, I wouldn't give them money. I would give them gum and shit like that. Yes. So, so I wanted this moment where he gives her the gum, but in that sequence, there's this moment where she has, she has this kind of like, um, opening up moment and this is really where these two characters kind of connect with each other and he has a moment which we could talk about in a minute because i know you said you have some daughters or a daughter i forgot we uh, i have a few daughters yeah okay okay fantastic i want to talk about that because (laughs) perfect man man to man that's some real good shit right there yep and other men need to hear that um so but she has a moment where she's opening up to this to my character in the film and she talks about um, how she realizes her family is gone. Part of me, if I get emotional, but you know, it's one of those things that when I was filming that with her, dude, I was like, you know, with her, and I, I remember as a director, I just said to Athena, I said, you know, what if, you know, what if your mom, and your dad weren't coming back, you know? What if they were gone forever? And she fucking went there immediately. Not yeah. like weird, like Hollywood kid actor shit. Like it was like, like a fucking release, dude. And she she lifted her head up, brother, and delivered this line with these tears in her eyes. And both me and the camera woman instantly started fucking bawling dude (laughs) (laughs) and i tried not to fuck up the take because you're going like oh my god this is fucking magic you know but it was real oh it was totally totally real yeah and and she was so fucking real and magical and so special i've never met another little girl like her little kid like her in my life and the crazy thing rob is this was her first job at five years old just like I had my first job when I was five years old in Hollywood. And it was like this, <laughs> this crazy, like there's no such thing as coincidence. Like this right, is the vibration yeah. of this, of my life and, and her life and, the, and this kind of thing. And, and the, and that moment for the other character, my character, Rob, and this is what I want to talk to you about is part of the reason why I wrote the movie in the first place is because my experience with my daughter when they're born, you have a primal parental attachment, right? Of course. But they're a little potato that just is a suckling little potato. <laughs> you know? You go, I know that thing's mine, and I know yeah. I want to protect it and love it. Oh, Gucci goo type shit. Right, you know? yeah. But around two and a half years old, I made a conscious connection with my daughter where I can't even fucking explain it, Rob, like something that was like this ethereal cosmic human thing that happens to a man where they go, I would kill every living fucking thing. Yes. Yes. And I would suffer 
every fucking pain for this child. Yes. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't agree more. We we uh you know you go on those deployments and you saying goodbye to your kids is the hardest thing to do because oh, you don't shit. know if, if this could be it. And my youngest daughter, I don't know if she was three or four when I left. Uh, it was explained to her, well, daddy has to go somewhere, but when he comes back, he's going to bring you to Great Wolf Lodge, which is a place with uh, water slides and shit. And she awesome. went upstairs. She went upstairs and grabbed this little pink suitcase and packed it and put it by the front door just so she wouldn't forget. Oh, it's like, God, bro. I like, I'm that, oh, dude, like, Literally so would yeah. kill everyone for her. Fuck. So that moment I had, and this was in my kitchen. And I was making her breakfast. It was scrambled eggs with chopped like breakfast sausage in it. And her and I used to eat this together. And I remember I had that moment, Rob, and I was like, how do I show that to the world? How do, how do I express that to the other fathers of the world? Mm -hmm. That this is, this is the way. You know, and that's where this came from. And the fucking other crazy thing that isn't a coincidence, that is like a direct through line in the fucking mesh of the matrix was coming up as an artist, dude. I'm a musician, I'm a writer, I'm a fucking poet, whatever the fuck I am. I just called myself a guerrilla artist because I don't, I do whatever the fuck I want to express right. myself. So guerrilla artist is the terminology that I feel most describes the way I do it, you know? In Hollywood, bro, it's like, no, fuck you, you're an actor. Or fuck you, you're a writer. And these, mm -hmm. are, these are the only compartmentalized things that you can be because there's so many people that want to be different things that they compartmentalize. You're only allowed to do this. You're allowed to be this. Anything greater than that, you're looked at like we talked about before. Those people that are like the low-hanging fruit, they're like, oh, this guy thinks he can fucking do everything type shit, you know? And um, I wanted to do it all as a filmmaker. I wanted to write it. I wanted to direct it. I wanted to star in it. I wanted but there was no growing up. I didn't, I didn't know you could do that. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and I watched fucking Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. I go, oh, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And not archaeologists. It's I'm going to be the, I'm going to make movies. Cause I thought that's who made the movies, you know? <laughs> and then when you realize that's not it and a director makes movie, producer, writer, then that I wanted to do everything. And then, but Hollywood kind of like has this way of like going, Nope, you're in that corner over there, motherfucker. You stay there. And, um, one day at this old, there was a movie theater that played old movies from the 20s and stuff. And they were playing The Kid. This movie mm -hmm. called The Kid with Chaplin. And I'm watching it and I thought it was a fucking awesome movie. Coogan and Chaplin had, they were awesome. But then when the credits were happening, it was like starring Charles Chaplin, directed by Charles Chaplin, music by Charles Chaplin, written by Charles Chaplin. I went, I had that epiphany lightning bolt to the tip of my dick type shit <laughs> where I was like, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. And maybe that was back in the day you were only allowed, but I was like, that's what I want to do. Like I, I'm compelled to do that. And it took me fucking 30 years, 20, 30 years to fucking figure out how to do that. And this is my first film. This yeah, is really, first. and, and I was lucky I was lucky to have somebody help me um, that I had done two other movies with. Um, 
And I felt like, because I helped him make his best movies, like in my opinion, like, like I kind of helped him that he came on board to help me do this. And, um, and I created something fucking really special, dude. Like yeah. something that, you know, um, and I, I love how you were like, oh man, I'm expecting some Hollywood shit. Cause my boy's in it like Mikey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, nothing, nothing against Mike. He's awesome. But I'm thinking yeah. it's how high quality is it going to be? I mean, it's, I, I, I know I just went into it. I'm going to watch and see and I just completely, completely fantastic. Fucking awesome. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And this was that, that moment there, man, I'm sure you've felt that with your daughter or daughters. Um, that's what I wanted to show is like who a man mm -hmm. is before that moment. And then who he becomes after that. Right. And that moment for Master Chief Mirko going uh, where he fucking like to himself makes that commitment. Like, I'm going to fucking kill everybody. Yes. To get That's this exactly little right. girl out of here. You know, I want like that was the whole fucking premise of it. You this, know? Is, this is this is now the mission. This is. Yes. And you everything can see else doesn't matter, from, you know, because the innocent girl doesn't know what's going to happen. Is this, is this the bad guy? Are they and just you keep walking and I'm taking this off because it's sparkly. Hey, that's mine type shit. But then it goes to that scene where you can see it click. It's like, all right, motherfuckers, this uh, this is my new mission and I'm getting her out. It was just I mean, again, magic, bro. It's magic. there's 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 three or possibly four parts where the, the tears are going to come out. It's that and they should. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, oh, it's great. Dude, this is like, you know, here's the thing is like you and I grew up in a culture where in order to be a knuckle dragon badass, it was like one way or the other. You're like, you're a badass thing. You're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to express yourself. It's like, da, da, da. you're like, you're just supposed to be a savage. You know, mm -hmm. my philosophy is man, the deepest of savages, the most savage of savages are the most gentle souls I've ever met oh, yeah. because they, they fucking know, they know what is at stake. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to assume you've put people's lights out, but if you have, you know, you know, what's at stake and you can't help but fucking reflect that back on yourself, brother. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. And so those are, at least in my experience, those are the most gentle people I've ever met. And those that can understand that the emotional, um, what's the best word for it? Like the emotional release. Yes. That's the that's the perfect word for it. It's fucking that's necessary. It, yeah, it's 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 better holding it in. You're gonna feel a lot worse. Let it let it out, bro. Yeah. That'll kill you, bro. You hold that shit in, it'll fucking yeah. kill you. And that's that's you one know, of the reasons people have bad days. They just they're they're keeping everything all pent up inside. You can't do that. There's a the last couple frames of the film. At the end of the credits is a picture. I don't know if you got made it that far. If you just watch the movie and turn it at on. the end of the credits, okay, I'll check it out. Check that out, man. Mm -hmm. I, put, okay. I put something there. Okay. And the actress, Athena Derner, drew that picture. No. Oh, shit. A brother. Uh, yeah. 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 I got to take a deep breath. <laughs> she drew this picture after we shot the, the, the film. 
and it's of her <laughs> and Mirko, me and her. Really? Oh, bro, it's I'm unreal. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'm going to tell you a little story about, I knew I was going to go film some of the film in Texas. And one of my buddies, Jamie Wehmeyer, lived in in Texas, right? Mm. And him and I had, had a like an online friendship. Somehow, like at some point in social media, like he was like, yo, dude, I think your movies are dope. Da, da, da. Here's my fucking password to this music site that you could listen to this cool 80s synth music shit. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Awesome. So we became friends, you know, and, and we would talk on social media back when I was like active with that shit. And um, I texted him, bro. No shit. Hey. I'm coming to Texas to shoot my new movie. Where, where are you at in Texas? And he said, Austin. And I'm going to say something that might not be politically correct. Oh, well, whatever. But my reply was gay. <laughs> Written G-H-E-Y. G-H-E-Y. <laughs> and uh, literally, that was the last of Because he said, Austin, you're coming... Mikasa Sukasa, you know, and I wrote gay <laughs> like an asshole because you don't think that's going to be the last fucking thing. Sorry, brother. No, you're good. I, I, so, uh, uh, yeah, he I was, a, was I, uh, I didn't mean to laugh like that because I was assuming because as a veteran, he knows you're fucking with. Him. I that's, know, dude. I know it's and not it's like that's weird. not like what pushed him over the edge. That's just no, 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 it wasn't. No, 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 no. Oh. We were. We I didn't know boys. that was that was it. So I I didn't mean to laugh like that. I, just, oh, I know worry, from brother. from veterans uh, to veterans. So you that's know, the, yeah, that's the thing. So but uh, that's the kind of shit you say to each other. So yeah, it's just yeah, and that was the last thing. And then um, I got a I got before I went down there because I was like because it was two hour Austin was like two hours away from where I'd be filming. And uh, one of his buddies reached out and said, "Yo, bro, Jamie took his life." Jeez. And. Uh, the fucking crazy thing was I knew that he was a father like me to a young daughter, Ruby. And uh, so you'll, you'll see that at the end. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. I'm definitely going to watch that. That's insane. That, I mean, just the, um, we've been talking a lot about opening your mind and the emotions. It's okay. And there's, I mean, there's so in Warhorse, there's so many different emotions like that, too, of the everything from if you lose a teammate to if you get hit oh. yourself to to looking at the innocence of 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 the people that are there or the the father that's dying, you know, and I'm not oh, I don't want to ruin it. I don't, yeah, I'm not yeah. giving no script away, but yeah, yeah, because like I said, from the be like this, this movie had me from the beginning and it, I'm talking like you know, I'm going to watch part of it and then I'm going to go work out. And I've sat there and I'm talking edge of the edge of my seat shit. Um, yeah. So, oh, um, on that, before we give it all away, I think we should wrap it up. Cool. Um, um, Warhorse one is, uh, if, if you, if you like action movies, you're going to love this one. Um, it's coming out June 30th. Yeah, and then on demand. Yeah. What is it? You say July, July Fourth, Independence Day. July Fourth, Independence Day. Warhorse One. Uh, Johnny Strong. Is there anything? Where 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 should get people go to find it? What should they do to look for Warhorse? 
Uh, yeah, I think, you know, just wherever digital movies like uh, Voodoo or iTunes, you could actually pre-order it on iTunes. Or- yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could not recommend this movie more because, uh, like I said, the tactics, the movement, the emotions. The- I think that's what makes it, Rob, you know, I yeah. want to. You have to care. You have to care. And I think the difference of this film, right, as opposed to like what people are compartmentalized into understanding as our action movies is is the emotional side of this yes it's like definitely you know to me that you know all the gun stuff and the, the violence is brutal and dangerous and horrible um but you know i i took care in the way it was presented out of respect for the dudes that really do it and I honestly can't help it because that's how I train. So yeah. Yeah. I could make it look dumb, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, no. That know, would be just... acting at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Um, but honestly, man, from, from the depths of my spirit, um, may I look to see if there, I had another question for you? Sorry, man. Yeah, I, but it's all I, good. I don't want to take up your whole fucking day. Oh, come on. Um, I got nothing but time. Okay, last thing. Yes. What matters to you in this life? Well, what, I mean, what matters to me is uh, is my my kids, my daughters, and what what I can do to to um, to help help them um, get to where they need to go. They they unfortunately because of the way uh, combat on our side affects the kids, they're they're pretty hardcore. Like they're they're good. They've they've seen yeah. they they've dealt with what if he doesn't come home? They've dealt with they were going to funerals when they were you know three four. Um, and, but what, I mean, what, what I'm proud of is I've been in spots before with, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't afford this particular school for these kids, but I did it. I made it work. And at the time, the money seems like something, but it's not, it's the investment in them. So they matter to me. Um, and, um, (laughs) to, to end on a, on a, uh, a happy note, um, uh, seals are kind of known to have girls. And I had, uh, I had, we just do. I had one of my friends say uh, he had a boy, and he said, "You know, it takes a man to make a man." I said, "Yeah, but when I need my shitty diaper changed, they're going to show up. My girls are showing up. Your son's not coming." Yeah, he's like, "Just fuck dad, dad." <laughs> yeah, he, he's gone, dad. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what matters, man. And you did awesome, a great brother. job. You did a great job with uh, Athena. Athena, not just with the daughter or just the 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 innocence. So fantastic job. Uh, I appreciate it, man. And, or and one Johnny strong. Where there, should there, they? Anyway? Yeah. I just go ahead. That, that's, that's it. I, uh, I could not recommend this movie more. I am um, honored to share it with you, brother. And thank you. And you being a, a, a father to a young lady or yet uh, multiple young ladies. I'm glad I was able to share that with you. You nailed it. Well, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the Operator Podcast, and thank you for keeping the name Operator, brother. <laughs> hey, fuck yeah, bro. And then uh, you and I, uh, at some point, I don't drink, but we're going right. to um, share the same air. <laughs> All right, brother. Talk right, soon. Bro. So, yeah, uh, definitely check out Warhorse 1. It comes out um, comes out Friday, a couple days from now, and it's going to be streaming in early July. You definitely got to see the movie. I cannot recommend it. Uh, enough uh, powerful movie great movie go see it and remember if you go see a movie get yourself a big tub of popcorn and a soda you're never out of the fight 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.